committee uh, so that we proceed with the business of the day and you will join us shortly because they are busy dealing with that challenge. Uh, however, even on my side, I'm not going to be in a meeting for more than an hour because I'm writing exam in the next coming two hours. So I've already sent my apology to the chair. However, I think we can start with the meeting. Uh, I will not go into the introduction of the discussion because we've already spent much time on while waiting for, for the system. Uh, the agenda for today uh, is opening and welcome. Then we'll have presentation by Salga, Municipal Demarcation Board, CRL Rights Commission, and will be discussion. So let me welcome everyone who has attended the meeting and also recognize the leadership of the entities that I've just indicated, uh, and also the members of Portfolio Committee who are in attendance. Um, Deputy Minister Babela is also in attendance, and also the officials who are part of the meeting, the President of Salga, the President of the Macation Board. Recording in progress. And and uh, the COO and the CEO of Salga are here, and also the demarcation board. So I think we can start with our meeting. Uh, is there any mover for the agenda? Colleagues, is there any mover and seconder of the agenda? I moved here. Okay, thank you. No uh, second. The system keeps on muting me. Uh, President Stofile, uh, can you please take us along on the presentation of Salga? Thank you, honorable members and colleagues. Uh, honorable members and our guests. Hello. Yes, Chair, we can hear you. I, are you uh, proceeding? Yeah, I just started, Chair, and then I told them oh. that you are struggling. Uh, we're now giving to Salga, uh, okay. President Kumrit, uh, and that is Tofile to do the presentation, but it seems like uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm, I'm here. 
Okay, so yeah, we started with the opening and welcome, adopted the agenda, and now we're giving to Salga to do the presentation, and we gave them 15 minutes to present. That's fine. Okay, okay, okay. Chair. thanks. Um, thank you very much, uh, Chair, and, and greetings to members of the Portfolio Committee, Diem uh, Bapela and uh, senior staff in the department, the, um, the demarcation board chair and the administrative staff in that, um, and um, a CEO of Salga and the COO. Uh, it is a great honor for us to once again to share some thoughts and views insofar as what we are asked to present uh, to this uh, committee. Uh, our presentation chair is going to uh, highlight uh, what we are intending to do going forward. As you know, that we are coming from local government elections, a uh, number of things that have happened in the local government elections and matters that we need to focus at uh, in turning around local government system in South Africa so that it does respond to challenges that faced by uh, members of society. And uh, Lance Joel will be leading um, our, our presentation. And with your permission, I would ask uh, him to take it from here and, and present our views. Uh, as 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 already uh, processed by the National Executive Committee of Saka. Thank you very much. Well, well thank you very much, um, and and greetings to, to you, Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee, as well as all members of the Portfolio Committee, the Deputy Minister Mapela, uh, the leadership of of Salga, the CRL, as well as the as the MDB, and and all colleagues. Um, we we had shared uh, with the committee, Honorable Chairperson, uh, our detailed strategy uh, together with the annual performance plan and the budget, as well as a very comprehensive presentation. But when we received the agenda, we noted that there's only 30 minutes allocated for the presentation. And as such, we had then uh, decided to... Uh, reduce the presentation and focus on areas that we think we could then exhaust within the 30 minutes that were allocated in the in the agenda. Um, but essentially, for for the benefit of the committee, is that uh, our planning as Salga is linked to the term of office of local government, and having just gone through the transition uh, linked to the elections in November, uh, it also uh, uh, resulted in the last five-year plan having reached the end of its lifespan at the end of March and required the organization to develop a new five-year plan that is linked to this new term of office. Uh, and so that work started uh, some some uh, almost a year ago uh, to develop that five-year plan. And we went through a number of steps and related processes that ultimately culminated in uh, the Salka Provincial and National Conferences that took place uh, in the first three months of this year, where we presented this five-year plan, and, uh, the, and the conference itself agreed uh, with what was suggested, and the new National Executive Committee of Salga where this was then tasked to finalize the plan, uh, as well as the related first year of implementation of the plan 
together with the related budget. And that was done uh, on the 13th of April. And we then duly submitted our plan uh, to COGTA uh, last week. Um, but but this is the product of the the 10 months that we were working on uh, on the, the plan. Um, and the plan itself covers a number of areas. We will not focus on all of these areas. We would zoom into areas that uh, indeed would be of relevance for purposes of the portfolio committee today, uh, starting with the with the mandate itself. Um, and this slide shows, uh, Honorable Chairperson, in the middle of the slide, uh, it shows the objects of local government as uh, defined in the constitution. And what you find on the outer part of the slide so shows to you what the SALGA legislative mandates and constitutional mandates are. And, and the reason why we are putting forward this slide is that there is a clear separation between the expectations of local government itself as a sphere of government vis-a-vis -vis the expectations of SALGA as an organized formation of municipalities uh, across the country. Uh, and there are specific responsibilities that are given to local government. And so too, there are specific legislative responsibilities defined for SALGA in assisting local government through its transformation. But clearly, separate mandates uh, and, uh, and, and clearly defining what should be done on both ends. And from a SALGA perspective, this is the mandate that has been defined for the organization through its members and, uh, and in line with the, with the legislative provisions. And there are six areas of focus that we'll, we will continue to focus on in the next five years, including in the first year being the 22-23 financial year. So we'll focus on lobbying, advocacy, and representing the interest of members. We will continue to focus on playing the employer body role uh, and all related matters there too. We will focus on capacity building, support and advice to our members, profiling of our members, and then lastly, creating platforms for knowledge sharing and information sharing amongst and between members, both uh, within the country, but also outside of the borders of the, of the country. In order to do and execute this mandate, we had done a diagnostic analysis, both of local government as a sphere, but also of SALGA as a representative voice uh, in order to determine what needs to be done over the next five years and who would be required to do what and what the expectation would be. And when we conducted this uh, diagnostic analysis, we looked at the promise that the Constitution of the Republic defines for local government vis-a-vis -vis the current state and the core problem that local government finds itself in. And we have concluded that core to local government as problems is that it is really inadequately equipped to play the role as a developmental sphere of government. Uh, and there are varying reasons that we will touch on that confirms uh, that particular conclusion that has been reached. And and this slide shows at a high level the picture. So members are referred to what has been defined as the developmental impact through the Constitution of the Republic, through the White Paper on Local Government, supported by the relevant legislation. That impact has been predefined. And we have now had the benefit 
of more than 24 years of implementing um, uh, that policy directive, but what was envisaged in the yellow uh, for local government to really change the lives of our people has really not materialized because what you see in the orange is where local government ultimately, ultimately uh, journeyed. So the trajectory that it finds itself on now has really moved away from what was intended uh, through the constitution, through the white paper on local government, for local government to achieve over a, a defined uh, period. And that uh, journey that is digressing from the intended purpose concerns us as an organization that represents uh, these municipalities and it's, uh, it's, it's defining what we should be doing over the next five years to assist our members. And so we have developed a problem tree uh, that looks at what are the core problems. And as I've said on the earlier slide, core to the problem is that local government is inadequately equipped to execute its developmental mandate. But there are root causes uh, that find expression within the system on an ongoing basis that gives effect to that core problem and ultimately uh, results in the consequences that you would find. So we are presenting this through a tree uh, where we would all know that uh, if the root of a tree or the root of a tree defines ultimately what the trunk will look like and ultimately defines what would be the fruits that will be borne by this particular uh, tree. Uh, and it's the same within the local government context, is that the roots, or what is core to the challenges finding expression in local government, gives us what the core problems are, uh, and ultimately the effects that we're sitting with on an ongoing basis. And we have concluded that there are four root causes that are affecting local government and, and, and contributing to the core problem of local government. The first one is poor political leadership capacity and the weak administration. The, the second one is the ineffective utilization of financial resources, inability to collect revenue, and that is supported by the fact that local government is owed uh, in excess of 360 billion rands as at the end of, uh, of March this year, um, end of December last year. The inefficient and non-integrated local government delivery mechanisms and systems, uh, serious weaknesses uh, in that regard. And then lastly, the degenerating infrastructure and poor services that are provided to local government. All of these four problems, we call them toolboxes. Uh, each of these toolboxes are contributing to local government not being able to be developmental in nature and executing its mandate as defined uh, in the constitution and the and the white paper on, on local government. And so the consequences that uh, results uh, within the context of those root causes is that local governments really not, is non-responsive to the needs of communities. Uh, and, and, and these uh, six, four branches essentially uh, shows the effects that then finds expression as a result of those particular weaknesses that are in the system. In order to respond uh, to those root causes, uh, we have also then defined what we think should be the solution tree, uh, what 
what are the critical components, toolboxes that are necessary to assist local government to become more responsive, to be more effective and people-centered as as a sphere. And so uh, at the bottom of the slide, Honorable Chairperson, those four areas are the areas we are going to focus on over the next five years. We are going to focus on capacitating political leadership, but also the administration. We are going to focus on uh, ensuring that there is sufficient allocation of financial resources to municipalities. We are going to focus on improving revenue collection uh, and as well as, in the same breath, the effective utilization of resources so that municipalities themselves must also uh, uh, tighten the belt and ensure that they uh, effectively use the limited resources to their uh, their disposal. The third area we will focus on is uh, ensuring that we integrate systems and processes that would support the delivery of of services. And then lastly, ensure that there's sustainable infrastructure that will assist and contribute towards basic service delivery. So those high-level areas are the areas that we will focus on over the the next five years. Uh, We have done a similar exercise as it relates to to SALGA, where we have looked at uh, the mandate of the organization, but uh, concluded similarly on on the core problem that even SALGA itself is having an inadequate influence on local government for it to become developmental in nature. And there are varying reasons why SALGA has been inadequate in influencing local government. And those are the three areas that we have defined uh, internally, inefficient, non-aligned systems that we have uh, and and solutions that we have. Uh, uh, Secondly, linked to that, uh, is the is the inadequate profiling of municipalities. There are many good things, positive things that are happening within the local government space, um, but uh, uh, we are not using the platforms that we have as well as the mandate of profiling to advance and create increased awareness around those areas. The second area that uh, results in Salga having an inadequate impact on local government is also linked to its own internal inadequate sourcing uh, or resourcing, utilization of its financial resources, but also the partial implementation of legislation uh, that places serious obligations on, on the organization. And there are varying reasons why we've not been able to implement the related obligations um, um, as defined in the legislation. And then lastly, is that uh, and we have also found that uh, as much as the organization plays a support and advice role that has been, in most instances, been not received well by municipalities, not implemented by municipalities, and then resulting in uh, the difficulties that we currently find within municipalities. So um, whilst there is uh, some support that is given, it is ultimately up to a municipality to decide whether it would follow that advice and support that is given to it, or it would uh, do um, otherwise. We have similarly defined what the effects are. Uh, There are three areas that we have defined the effects of those root causes. Uh, But ultimately, in response, there are three areas we will focus on at a very high level over the next five years, uh, aligning our systems processes as well as the solutions, and ensure that we effectively profile municipalities. We would also look at the adequate and efficient utilization of our own limited resources uh, within the context that um, 
Uh, we are largely dependent on municipalities to resource the organization. But we would also focus a bit more around the implementation of the empowering legislation that would assist Falga to be more impactful um, uh, when it comes to uh, our members. And then lastly, we would also look at telemate capacity uh, building interventions um, internally within the organization so that we also assist our members and be more responsive um, to their needs. So that is the high-level picture, uh, Honorable Chaperson, but uh, on an annual basis, uh, particularly for the first year, we will focus on the execution of five programs. Um, the, the first program uh, will focus on advocacy and strategic profile. The second program is a, 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 a program that is looking at multidisciplinary support that we are going to give to our members on a range of sub-programs, as you would see defined on the slide. And program three will focus on employment relations, capacity building. Uh, program four would look at business and product development. And lastly, program five would look at internally, the administration being geared towards uh, executing program one, two, to four. In unpacking each of these programs, starting with the advocacy and strategic profile uh, program, uh, we would, uh, as a starting point, be looking at the holistic review of legislation um, that would uh, that essentially impact on local government on a daily basis, but also on the work of Salga itself. So uh, instead of taking a silo approach, a piecemeal approach towards the review of legislation, because we now have the benefit of 20 years of experience in the implementation of this legislation, we would be looking at holistically reviewing all of those pieces of legislation so that it assists local government uh, to be more developmental. Secondly, we would be looking at strategic partnerships because we are not the only ones operating within the space uh, and we cannot do this on our own. So we would be looking at um, uh, concluding strategic value-based partnerships so that it assists SALGA in uh, delivering on its mandate. The third areas we will focus on is professionalization. Uh, certainly, we are quite encouraged with the developments now, particularly as it relates to the amendments to the Systems Act. It uh, will contribute towards professionalization. But one of the things we would focus on is introducing a very similar uh, mechanism that finds expression at the national level and at the provincial level by having a single independent professional authority within the local government space. So, so this year, we would focus on the establishment of that particular authority. Then the third high-level area will focus on municipal profiling, and it's really to ensure that we increase the awareness around the functioning of local government. We have noted that there is quite often a misunderstanding and not a common understanding around the roles, responsibilities, functioning of local government. So we will drive a campaign around that. We would also drive a campaign around responsible and accountable local government leadership because we feel that both politically and administratively there is uh, serious weaknesses and we need to address that uh, and we will use our profiling campaign to address that. And then lastly, we would also be looking at promoting responsible citizenry and we will reflect a bit about this in the last two slides of our uh, presentation. Because we also feel that uh, citizens themselves could also assist uh, local government and municipalities in particular 
uh, to be more effective, uh, to be more responsive to their particular uh, needs. Program number two, uh, which is the a very loaded program, a multi-sectoral support program. It has five sub-components, um, as I have said on an earlier slide. And on each of these sub-components, there are particular purposes that we would want to achieve. Um, and we have highlighted those purposes on the slide. But to unpack each of them uh, with the first one, uh, the municipal financial support uh, sub-program, we will focus on um, strengthening financial resilience and in this regard, we would want to assist the bottom 20 municipalities that are in distress um, and support them to become uh, more sustainable uh, financially. Uh, we would also want to uh, identify those municipalities that are finding themselves in the red zone uh, in terms of the outcomes of the AG findings uh, and also direct support to those particular municipalities. We will continue the work that we have uh, embarked upon over the last few years uh, to review the equitable share formulas so that we could also uh, ensure that from a financial perspective, there are more uh, allocations made to municipalities. We would also assist municipalities to design uh, strategic profiles so that they themselves could attract investments and also enhance public-private partnerships, um, um, which is necessary within the context of the limited resources that we have within local government. Um, just to highlight some of the sub-programs we will deal with under financial support, um, under the municipal infrastructure and service delivery support, again, there are a number of areas that we are going to focus on, um, uh, starting with um, what we feel is an area that has been neglected over the recent past, uh, and it's around ensuring that we need to deal and respond to the roads infrastructure that finds expression across all of our municipalities. We want to link this to the GDM uh, process uh, so that we establish that capacity at a at a district level uh, to assist across districts, locals uh, um, and district municipalities uh, to have the necessary capacity um, to respond to the roads infrastructure development needs. The second area we will focus on linked to the state of the nation address from the president would be on the paving of rural roads uh, and as a defined program that we would want to embark upon uh, and, 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 and perhaps collaborate uh, through the presidency with all relevant role players uh, to assist uh, in uh, the, the uh, paving of, of our roads. We would also focus on the uh, public transport uh, end on the integrated um, multimodal facilities, which would really be contributing towards uh, enhancing the socioeconomic opportunities that find expression within our uh, respective localities in our municipalities. So we will engage with a number of role players in that regard. We will also be focusing on uh, the, a, a well-funded decentralized management of public transport, um, uh, an area that affects our communities on a on a daily basis. And then, um, uh, before I get to the last part of this particular sub-program, also uh, 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 get into the finalization of the road classification and assignment uh, of ownership of roads. And, and the members of the committee may may be aware that within our municipalities, there are different types of roads, there are national roads, 
there are district roads, there are municipal roads, uh, original roads, uh, and um, and there are different owners to those respective roads. Municipalities are only responsible for municipal roads, and national and provincial government respectively are responsible for other roads. But communities see these roads all as municipal roads and uh, and expect municipalities to be responding to the maintenance and upkeep of those roads when in practice that is not the reality uh, and it requires other spheres of government to come on board. Um, and that's an area that we are going to focus on in this particular uh, year. We would also look at link to a point made earlier around responsible citizenry. Also we'll be looking at a national campaign of civic responsibility uh, around waste management and related matters. We would also be focusing on climate change, uh, standardization of disaster management, fire services, and emergency services units in our municipalities. And we would also be looking at a uh, link to an earlier point made public-private partnerships uh, to strengthen um, uh, the development of areas uh, within our municipalities. On the socioeconomic development and spatial transformation um, sub-program, we would be um, uh, looking at the finalization of the land reform, um, looking at the implementation of SPLUMA in partnership with traditional authorities. We will address some of the disputes with, as it relates to uh, SPLUMA, but also be focusing on research-based uh, spatial transformation monitoring, reporting, and decision-making. On the municipal governance uh, support front, we would be focusing on uh, the clarifications around powers and functions between district and local municipalities. We would, uh, as I've said earlier, professionalization, we would be focusing on that. Uh, maladministration of corruption remains uh, at the top of our priority list, uh, but we would also be giving support to municipalities around the standardization of job requirements so that it is quite similar across our municipalities and that is some uniformity, um, but also assist um, uh, coalition governments in line with the framework that we have developed. And ultimately, we would want to see uh, this uh, framework that we developed become a, a regulatory framework that would uh, uh, require all to implement it uh, accordingly. A new area, uh, digital maturity support uh, within the context of 4IR, uh, we would be assisting municipalities around um, uh, conducting uh, uh, digital maturity assessments, and we would also be uh, seeking the adoption of the strategic digital framework that we have developed at SALGA, as we believe it will assist municipalities to become more efficient, more effective uh, in the delivery of the of the mandate. Program number three employment relations and capacity building program. Um, we will continue on where we started off uh, post the elections uh, through the counselor induction in program. And we will continue with the portfolio-based training. We would also be focusing on capacity building and technical support programs. We should indicate, uh, Chairperson, that uh, when we did an assessment on the outcomes of the elections of November, we have seen that um, uh, there are, there's been a high turnover. There are new people that are into the system. A majority of people are new in the system, and we would need to assist them in uh, executing their responsibilities over the next five years, um, and that would also be an area for focus. Um, we would also assist municipalities. We are quite concerned around 
the organograms, um, whether they are fit for purpose across our municipalities, um, uh, whether uh, they are responsive to the needs of, uh, of, of, of communities, and we would be assisting municipalities to revise and review uh, these organograms to be more fit for purpose. We uh, would also assist uh, on a continuous basis municipalities around disciplinary matters, arbitrations and conciliations, and then continue our responsibility within the context of the of the bargaining council. Program number four, which is business and uh, product development, it has two sub-programs. There is a program that will look internally within SALGA, how SALGA itself would uh, 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 look at alternative revenue streams to move away from the uh, uh, dependence on membership levies and look at alternative revenue streams. But we would also want to do the same for municipalities, looking at how we can uh, tap into uh, alternative revenue generation streams for municipalities um, um, as they are similarly struggling and having cash flow uh, constraints. And then the second focus on the program number four would be uh, broadband as a fifth uh, uh, utility. The last program, which is the internally focused administration program, five areas that we will focus on. Uh, it is really to ensure that we as SALGA itself in terms of our operations, we are more member-centric, we are more responsive to the needs of our members, and we are more impactful uh, in the execution of our, our mandate. And those will be the areas that we are going to focus on without going through it in detail. So, Chairperson, uh, the last part of our presentation is the budget implications, um, uh, really showing that uh, from an income point of view, we continue to be dependent on membership levies. Uh, you can see they're projected for this financial year, 94% of our funding will come from municipalities. Um, and uh, we would have the 5% that comes from uh, the, through COCTA uh, as a grant. And then we have 1% that we receive based on interest. This, the part just below it shows where we are going to focus on um, uh, as an organization that is consultancy-based, uh, an organization that provides support to our municipalities through uh, the human resources. Uh, you can see that uh, that is where we are going to focus on uh, in ensuring that we are more responsive to, to the needs. Last part, uh, Chairperson, is we are quite concerned about whilst uh, the Salga NEC has just signed off this APP for this year, the NEC of Salga is quite concerned around some recent developments. Uh, and these developments include, as we have picked up over the last few weeks, the cable theft that we see uh, uh, posted across different media platforms, uh, the inability uh, of uh, South Africa's waste management network to respond to the needs, um, the the difficulties that our municipalities are experiencing around uh, around infrastructure theft. And this is just one of the things we thought we should say, share with the committee where we see, I'm sure members of the committee have seen this, municipal infrastructure being damaged uh, simply because uh, of uh, wanting access uh, to cables it is quite sad that we continue to have these difficulties within our in our municipalities. Um, uh, similarly, 
this is showing uh, the theft, broad daylight, uh, the destruction of municipal assets, um, and, and really not assisting our members to be more responsive. And uh, we are going to be focusing on this um, uh, through the work that we are going to do as an organization over the next over the next uh, period. So that's our presentation, Chaperson. I rushed a bit in the 30 minutes we were given, and uh, it is really presented for, for noting to the committee. Thank you very much. Thank you very much um, for the presentation. I think members were taking notes. We'll then uh, proceed to the next presentation uh, by the Municipal Demarcation Board. Uh, can I hand over to uh, the third person, uh, Mr. Tabo Manion? Over to you. Um. Thank you, Mr. President. Let me take the opportunity also to acknowledge the presence of um, our Deputy Minister and, uh, of course, members of the Portfolio Committee present, uh, my colleagues from SALGA and uh, also from uh, the institutions that we are presenting with uh, today. Chairperson, I must indicate to the committee that uh, the demarcation board is still on track as we also have indicated in our last quarter for 2021-22 financial year that we did receive unqualified audit opinion and we are still on that track again. And also we have concluded uh, reports on minimum norms and standards for municipalities to perform their powers and function. I'm um, highlighting this fact simply because we know that uh, at present, the country, we are also concentrating on the district development model. And uh, therefore, we need to be sure that the districts that will be performing certain functions they do have the necessary capacity. They have been assessed, analyzed, and uh, they have been advised where they need to improve so that they can then be able to deliver as expected as per the government uh, vision. I must indicate, Chairperson uh, 3, that uh, we have started now with uh, that process of looking into outer boundary redeterminations. And uh, we have received quite a lot of applications in this regard. What I can highlight here is that, yes, we are mindful and we will try by all means to make sure that we consolidate and we do not split traditional leaders' um, areas, boundaries, and where necessary, we will also have to correct those uh, as per the applications that we would have uh, received. Also, Chairperson, uh, we intend, of course, led by the Chairperson of the board, to be meeting with each and every MEC in the nine provinces to share with them some of our research fundings and also 
to share with them some of the critical areas that they need to be mindful of and be able also to assist uh, municipalities in their own provinces on those matters that we will be discussing with them. Basically, uh, that is the introduction. I'm with um, our CEO of the board and also the CFO and the senior managers of the demarcation board to assist when necessary. I will hand over now to Mr. Alwan, our CEO, to do the presentation. Alwan. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee, the Deputy Minister, members of the Portfolio Committee, and uh, all the colleagues from the different institutions. I am honored to be giving this particular presentation. Um, oops. Our presentation is going to concentrate mainly on the, obviously, on the reason why we we are appearing before the Portfolio Committee today. Mainly, we'll deal with the annual performance plan for 2022-2023. And, of course, there are many other things that we we thought we should share with the committee especially the process that the chairperson of the board has just indicated on the municipal boundary determination process. We would love to share some of the prog- uh, the program that we're going to be running over the next two, three years, so that uh, members of the committee are aware of the activities of the municipal demarcation board. Like I said, the main uh, emphasis is going to be on the APP, or the annual performance plan for 22-23. But we always we also thought, as much as we appeared before the committee in the last few weeks, uh, we, sh- we should just briefly run through some of the achievement uh, with regards to 2021-22 uh, uh, annual performance plan. Uh, this particular slide, in respect of time, uh, I'm sure members have seen this before, it hasn't changed. So this is how we are set up as the municipal demand. We like doing this because we have noted over time through our lessons that uh, we need to make sure that uh, people understand the municipal demarcation board, let alone what we do, which a lot of people don't really understand, which we are putting in a lot of effort to make sure that people understand we do what we do and how we do it so that we are more efficient in making sure that the sector itself and the country uh, uh, progresses. So this is the, I'm not gonna sit too much on this particular slide. You see how the board is set up its its committees and also the administration, how it's set up led by the CEO and it's got uh, different uh, uh, programs that that, that are being set up. Uh, Suffice to also indicate that obviously our mandate stems from the constitution, uh, which talks of an independent entity to deal with municipal boundaries and ward delimitation. But also, as highlighted in this particular slide, uh, we also do municipal capacity assessments and advisory services on a whole lot of other issues related to our work. But I want, we like emphasizing the fact that as much as we are called the municipal demarcation board, uh, provincial boundaries are not our forte. It is the responsibility of the of the of parliament. Therefore, from time to time, as we're doing our work. We do find pro- uh, proposals on on change of provincial boundaries, but we always make sure that the relevant departments that deals with constitutional matters matters 
are aware of these so that they can be channeled through through parliament. This is important so that we, we, we make sure that we guide our citizens on how their issues should be res- resolved. What, uh, what are some of the things that we've uh, achieved in quarter four? Uh, this is just a highlight of the presentation we made a few weeks ago. As the chairperson has indicated, uh, we, we achieved an unqualified audit. We also developed a multi-criteria decision support tool on municipal boundary determination process. This is to make sure that there's efficiency in terms of uh, the determination process. But also we have looked at uh, almost all local municipalities in terms of administrative and service areas in relation to municipal boundaries. Instances where you find that there's no alignment, for example, between a, 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 an educational district boundary and a municipal boundary or a magisterial district and a municipal boundary, which tend to confuse uh, citizens on the ground. So we've done that analysis. The intention obviously is to engage with the relevant authorities to make sure there's alignment. But we have also looked at uh, the, the, the public and stakeholder awareness and education activities extensively so, uh, we, we, and we'll continue to do that as you will see in our program for 22-23. So those are some of the things that we have achieved to make sure that we, we, we develop or infuse some of the efficiencies in our system. The vision and mission, as uh, the committee would know, uh, our, our strategic plan was approved in 2020. So we are still continuing to implement the same strategy. Our vision and mission has not changed. It's a five-year strategy. So our vision and mission has not changed. I'm not gonna uh, talk to those much. And these are also uh, in our strategic plan, the, the outcomes and the outcome indicators that we have developed to achieve over a period of five years. So the APP that we are presenting here today fits within those particular parameters. You'd see our, we've got about four outcomes uh, in terms of our strategic plan. Uh, organizational excellence. This is where we want to make sure that we remain excellent in what we do. And uh, we think we need to challenge ourselves to reach higher uh, governance and, and, and uh, goals as an institution. So that's what we're targeting for the five years. Uh, and also well-defined municipalities. This is the core of the organization itself. Uh, ward delimitation and municipal boundaries. So we want to have done all of that in the five years. We have already finalized the ward boundaries for the past elections. So now we are starting with the municipal boundary determination process. We also want to improve access to research and spatial information, very critical for, for decision-making, not only within the MDB, but also in all in the whole sphere uh, of local government and, and government as a whole very critical that we need to make sure that we learn as much as possible. So we want to make sure that the information is always accessible. But most importantly, which is very critical also, we are aware for this particular committee, we want to make sure that we always improving on public and stakeholder participation in our processes. So that's, we take it very serious. That's why we put it even in our strategic plan as an outcome that we want to achieve. 2022-23, what is it that we're going to be doing? We've got three programs, as I said. We've got four programs, as I said earlier. We've got the administration, which talks to uh, HR issues, governance issues broadly within the finances and all that. And then the second one is the demarcation and spatial transformation excellence, which is where the core business of the institution also happens. As, uh, program three, very critical, as I said earlier, which is where research is done. Most importantly, for the 
demarcation processes, and, and also the fourth one, stakeholder engagement. You will see that uh, uh, stakeholder engagement also includes issues like communication, public participation, and engagement in our processes. Uh, hence, we have uh, lifted that up into a program, a fully-fledged program, to make sure that we improve in that regard. We've got about, uh, in our APP, about 24 uh, outputs uh, and indicators that we want to achieve in the year, uh, spread across the different uh, prog uh, outcomes that I, I mentioned earlier. Uh, the most critical one, it's uh, two, three, and four. That's where the core work of the Municipal Demarcation Board happens, and very intensive work happens there. And uh, we, 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 we make sure that all of them are interrelated because they speak to each other to influence the outcomes and the outputs that we, we envisage as the institution. That's very critical. In terms of program one, uh, I will highlight very quickly these ones. I won't go uh, uh, indicator by indicator uh, as this forms part of our uh, annual performance plan. And I'm sure members have seen this. I, I just want to highlight quite a few. In program one, I did indicate that this is where administration, HR issues, governance-related issues, finance issues are dealt with. As an institution, we felt when we were developing our strategy that uh, we cannot afford to ignore governance and administrative issues because they've got a lot of impact on whether you will be able to achieve your your core mandate as an institution. Hence, we've we've lifted them to to this level. So, uh, amongst others, you will see we we intend to make sure that all board resolutions are implemented. Very critical because if you don't implement board resolutions, therefore, it also means that the core aspects of the institution doesn't happen. And if you don't check, uh, for example, whether you are complying to all the legislation that you're following, that's where in terms of audits, you're going to falter. In financial management, you're going to falter. So we make sure that we, we monitor compliance to different uh, sets of legislations that applies to us. Uh, you will also see, uh, most importantly, in this era, uh, issues of ICT. We, we make sure that we monitor those on a quarterly basis, on a regular basis. And in that regard, we produce reports Governance, ICT governance reports that talks to issues of security, access, and 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 and, and all the like. That is to make sure that we 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 administratively we are set to to achieve our core aspects of the institution. So you'll see also uh, we intentionally target to to maintain the audit opinion that we express. Yes, we have achieved a, a, a unqualified audit, but it's always important to make sure that you maintain it because it's very easy. You could have achieved it, but what happens thereafter? Hence, we keep on challenging ourselves by putting it in our, in our APP. Uh, issues of financial management, risk uh, register, annual risk register, we make sure that it's developed. You will see that these are the things that sometimes we may look at them and take them for granted, but they ultimately affect how you're going to perform in all the other issues. That's program one. Program two where the demarcation aspects are going to happen in this particular financial year, as the chairperson has indicated, we're going to be doing uh, municipal boundary terminations, municipal boundary changes in simple terms, or demarcation for municipal boundaries, not ward boundaries. Ward boundaries, we have done and concluded the elections have already happened. Now we are doing municipal boundary demarcation. In terms of that, uh, which is pretty much in terms of the the 
our act. We will be publishing notices. It's pretty much part of the public consultation process. We will be publishing notices in terms of uh, section 26 for class one and two. You will see as I go on, I will explain what class one is and class two and four are. Those are just the different uh, uh, classes of, of changes that we're going to be doing. So we will, at a, a, at a particular time, publish notices where we're going to invite members of the public. It's just an intention to say, this is what we've got. This is what we have. There's an intention to possibly, <coughs> excuse me, to change municipal boundaries. However, as members of the public, please tell us what you think about them. And then we will take all those submissions where uh, the, the, sub, the inputs are indicating that, yes, indeed, go ahead because of the following reasons. The board will decide on how to take those forward. So that's our first output in that regard. The second one is after, the, after we've got all those inputs, the board may decide to, to change a municipal boundary in one way or the other. So that's what we're going to be doing in the 2020, 2021, uh, sorry, in the 22-23 uh, uh, financial year. And then, obviously, public consultations, very critical. We're going to be doing public meetings. Uh, you will realize that uh, our processes are pretty much uh, hinged on, on consultation with members of the public. Uh, so we're going to be doing public meetings for the cases that we, we, we will deem it necessary, and then we'll make sure that we receive those inputs from members of the public. We will also, most importantly, post elections. Uh, it's important because we use voting districts to configure wards. We, we then now, in this period, before we start with the next ward delimitation process, we do an analysis to see where the problems are in terms of voting district boundaries and uh, which may affect the next ward delimitation process. And whatever we find, for example, if, uh, if a voting district boundary is splitting a community, chances are if you use that voting district as a boundary, it's likely going to split a community as well. So we do that analysis and we take the findings to the Independent Electoral Commission who may adjust their voting districts and make sure that uh, our boundaries may not split a community. So this is uh, important work as we prepare for the next uh, ward limitation process. Program three, we will, uh, most importantly, as part of that uh, output that talks to access to research information and all of that, we're gonna do, develop a number of applications, mapping applications to make sure that our, our products, uh, special products are available to members of the public at, at different times. But also we'll continue doing the research on a number of subjects that affects our work to inform the decisions going forward. And, uh, and once again, we will also do, uh, as part of the municipal boundary termination process, we will do research on each of the uh, cases, especially uh, municipal boundary determination cases that seeks, for example, to amalgamate municipalities or which may result in a disestablishment of a municipality and sometimes also a categorization of a municipality, say from a from a B to an A, A which is a metro. So if there's such proposals, we do thorough research on those to make sure that we, we inform our decisions ultimately. So that's what we're going to be doing in, in, in program three. Program four talks to stakeholder engagements. This one is continuous, will never stop. We'll continue to intensify it as long as much as our resources are allowed. So 
I'm not going to dwell into detail. It's a continuation. And as time goes on, we keep on intensifying the process to make sure that amongst others, people understand what we do, but also they become part of the process as, as uh, it, it happens. So that's our uh, APP for the year. I'm going to ask uh, the CFO to take members through the next three slides on the medium-term expenditure framework. Over to you, Ms. Um, Paji. Uh, Ms. Paji, if you are speaking, I think you are, you are muted. You might as well go through those two slides. Yes. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Over the next uh, three years, uh, as, as a requirement, we have uh, put together a, a, a framework in terms of our funding. Uh, we're not a very big institution. You can see that in terms of our of 2022-2023 financial year, our total budget is going to be about a 75 million. And in 2023-24, it's going to be 74. And it's envisaged that in 2024-25, if nothing happens like the pandemic and all the economic and financial meltdowns happens, we'll go to 77 million over the next three years. So that's our MTF. And in terms of, of Operating uh, expenditure, we're looking at, at, at uh, for example, obviously, compensation to employees. Uh, uh, you can see that in the next uh, three years, it will go up to about 47 million uh, from what it is uh, in this coming, in this uh, financial year, 22-23, which is about uh, 41 million. And... Uh, some of the goods and services that we're looking at, obviously operating lease, you can see uh, it, it takes about 3 million and uh, we, we're looking at marginal increase over the next, uh, over the next three years. And uh, in terms of publications, this, this aligns to the municipal boundary determination process. We are going to spend about, um, in this particular financial year, we'll spend about 150. It's, it's pretty much publications in newspapers to encourage people to, to participate. But we're looking at that uh, uh, plateauing towards the, the end of the outer financial year. And you can see there's funds allocated for communication, very critical, uh, because this, this particular process that we're starting in now talks to issues of communication. We've got about a million for the 22-23 and 23-24 like that as it moves on. And I must indicate that uh, these uh, particular resources are not, uh, are not obviously enough. Uh, communication is very critical. It can make or break the process. But as the MGB we have learned over the years, uh, I think that uh, you, we, we will need to be very creative 
around the funds that we have to make sure that at least we are able to reach the communities out there. Hence, we have allocated those amounts of money. I've spoken about the research. You can see we've, we've budgeted about in the 22-23, the research, we've got about six, uh, six million that we have uh, uh, allocated to make sure that we do thorough research and all that. And the other uh, resources, obviously, is going to be on travel. Uh, people need, we need to meet people out there. Uh, as much as we've got assistance with technology these days, but we still need to go out there and meet with communities and, and all that. And you can see the rest of the funding will be spent on uh, capital expenditure uh, within the MDB uh, itself. Uh, I would also uh, like to speak to this particular slide, especially on the impact of limited financial resources on the MDB. I, I did say that uh, communication especially and consultation, and it requires a lot of money. And uh, what we have learned, especially in the last few months, we, we ran an, an extensive communication uh, 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 program with uh, radios, local radio stations, SABC radio stations, because they speak the local languages. So, and that requires a, a lot of, of funding. And uh, it, 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 the MGB remains significant, significantly under-resourced in that regard. But uh, we need to indicate that we're making do with what we have. But uh, if there's any uh, improvements that we need to make, uh, we need the resources to do that. But also, we need to also indicate that previous reductions on the baseline uh, will have significant impact on considering that MGB will be in the process of conducting municipal outer boundary termination process in this period. So it's very critical that we highlight that to the committee. Furthermore, uh, obviously, uh, the funding, most of it is going to go to the municipal boundary termination process. As quickly, members, uh, we're talking about this municipal boundary determination process that we are starting. What is it? This particular slide just puts into perspective within the bigger context of, of, of the processes of local government where the work that we're doing fits in. The first block, which at the bottom is blue, you will see that that's what we are talking about. We'll do municipal boundary termination process. That's the first two blocks on your left, which starts uh, effectively from late last year, and it will go until 2024. Immediately after that, you can see from 2024 to 25, we do ward delimitations. And thereafter, we hand over to the IEC in the last two green blocks to run with municipal with uh, the local government election. It is critical that you get to see where all of these fit in, uh, as I'm going to be talking about them. Uh, the process itself, in terms of the demarcation act, in, 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 in step number one, it's where people will make proposals or the MDB itself will propose municipal uh, 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 changes that may happen. That is the process that we just concluded on the 31st of May where members of the public and everyone were requested to make sub submissions. Step number two is what, in terms of the program of the APP, I said we are going to publish Section 26 notice. These are the notices that goes out to members of the public again and say, this is the, what the MGB has. We intend to look at them. Tell us what you think about them. So that's step number two. After, after all of that, we get to step number three. We receive all the municipal boundary determination views and representation. We analyze them. And then we move to step number four, where the board can determine or change a municipal boundary 
or the, the municipal demarcation board decides, okay, this one seems to be, we are not, we didn't, we didn't seem to have received enough information, but, or there's a need to meet members of the public, <coughs> or there's a need to, to conduct further inquiries. So that's where formal investigations come in, or we do all of those processes to all of those uh, ch proposed changes. And then uh, we, after all of that, we'll consider all the inputs from members of the public in terms of public meetings, formal investigations or inquiries, uh, public meetings and formal investigation. And then the board will consider those reports in step number five, which leads to step number six, where the board decides whether yay or nay in terms of what has been proposed. You can see that uh, before we get to step number six, there's a whole lot of processes that needs to happen, contrary to, to common uh, be belief that the board can just receive a proposal and change the municipal boundary. It's an elaborate legal process that the board has got to go through. After step number six, we go back. If the board decides to change a boundary, the, the board publishes again in, in, in this, this instance in gazettes and say to members of the public, this is what we have decided if you have an objection, please send us an objection. We'll consider those uh, objections. And if we think they, they make sense in terms of the criteria, the board can decide not to proceed with that change. Or if it decides to proceed, then we move to step number eight, which is a final decision, which is then published. And then we hand over to the Independent Electoral Commission. Broadly, what is the program, which I've highlighted uh, quickly in terms of timelines? Uh, we did open for submission of proposals, which we closed on 31st of March. And uh, we are going to be doing uh, studies and research uh, for, for all those redetermination from May to September this year. And uh, that includes municipal capacity assessments. Uh, and thereafter, we will publish for public inputs in terms of Section 26 between October and December this year. And after that, we will then consider the views and representations between January and February 2023. And then we will go for public meetings between March and May 2023. We'll go for uh, investigations or inquiries. Uh, this is a new uh, uh, intervention that we've included in terms of Section 29 and 30, where we're going to be going to these particular communities. We will summon or call people who we think can shed more light and information on particular proposals so that we get even more insight on the proposal. That, will, that process will run between June and August. And then we'll consider the inputs of the research, public meetings and investigation hearings, and then determine municipal boundaries. That will be between September and October 2023. Then the board will thereafter publish its decision for objections. Anybody who would be aggrieved with the decision of the board will be asked to submit an objection between November 2023 and January 2024. And thereafter, the board will finalize the, the municipal boundary termination process and hand over to the IEC and MECs to proceed with their Section 23 processes between November and January 2024. Just quickly, without wasting your time, what are some of those classes that are spoken about? Class one, it's where it's just a, a small uh, technical boundary change. As you can see in this particular slide, where a, a municipal boundary is not aligned to a cadaster or a farm boundary. We align those. Those are the, what we call type one municipal boundary determination process. And then type two is consolidation and annexations. These are 
where, for example, a municipal boundary is cutting through a particular community and we want to adjust a municipal boundary to make sure that the community as a whole fits into a, a, a municipal boundary. So this is what we call class two municipal boundary determination. Class three are all those amalgamations uh, where one or two municipalities are amalgamated into one. So those are class three uh, municipal boundary determinations. And what are some of the issues that concern us? Obviously, uh, uh, our financial uh, uh, position, uh, it's, it's also an issue that the board is concerned about. But what I need to indicate is that I think it was in the last uh, uh, meeting with the committee where we were advised that we need uh, to, to start ensuring that we work within our means. In other words, we work with what we have, which is what we are doing. But we need to highlight that if we were to receive or we were to, to, to get a financial boost, we'll do much more than what we are doing now. Obviously, uh, we do not have regional representation, and therefore it remains a distant ambition. Obviously, that is linked to our financial position. And then also, what we find is that lack of understanding of the municipal boundary termination process. And hence, we are continuing to do education and awareness program, as you have seen in, in our outputs. That one we will never stop until we feel that uh, we are confident that members of the public really understand what we do and how we do it. But uh, just to highlight to the committee, a sizable number of municipal boundary dimension proposals that we are receiving are motivated by matters which cannot be addressed by change of municipal boundaries. I, I will tell you why. For example, there's a whole lot of people who are not satisfied with their service delivery. It's a matter of the grass is always greener on uh, on the other side. And we think this is concerning because we, are, we, we cannot keep on changing municipal boundaries, including and excluding people because they are not being safest. Therefore, it's a challenge to the departments and everybody who's responsible to, for service delivery and municipalities that we make sure that we improve on service delivery. And because if you are going to use the instrument of demarcation, to address service delivery issues, uh, it's going to be a challenge because it cannot solve it. Then also, there's issues of allegiance to tribal or traditional leadership, where people feel that because we are we owe more allegiance to the to the traditional leader who's on the other side. Therefore, we want to be demarcated from this municipality to the other one. The other one is party political instability and contestations in local areas. There are instances where. Uh, because, because of all of that, some people uh, in their own uh, localities would think that their political aspirations will better be served on the other side because they think they've got much more support. Therefore, they will request that their area be removed from this municipality to the other. So, And, and we don't think such things could be resolved by a change of a municipal boundary. But also longstanding dissatisfaction with provincial boundaries we are aware that the Department of Cocta and Justice have been dealing with these particular issues because from time to time as we receive them, we always make sure that they do get those. These ones, obviously, will never, they will have to find their way to Parliament if there's a need for a, pound, a change to a provincial boundary. But also perceived benefits for recategorization. This is where some, some uh, people on the ground say they are in a Category B municipality local they think that if they were to become a Category A municipality, uh, there's more benefits either uh, for, for, for the council itself 
or maybe for the in terms of governance. Uh, and we find this a bit problematic because our system of local government uh, enjoins us to make sure that we have category B and C municipalities. So, and some of these things cannot be uh, resolved. Issues of governance challenges where there's contestations between Bs and Cs uh, in an area cannot be resolved just by changing a municipal boundary change. Those are my concluding uh, remarks. We appreciate at all times the support we get from the and the guidance from the portfolio committee, uh, as always, in terms of what we need to improve. Uh, and we look forward to further engagement with the committee, especially when the local, dem- uh, local the municipal demarcation bill uh, 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 is dealt with by the committee. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you very much. Um, we will now move to uh, CRL Rights Commission. Uh, but uh, because I, I came in late, uh, I keep on getting reminded that uh, there's a, a Deputy Minister of Appella. Uh, let me acknowledge him at any time when he wants to say something will indicate. But let me hand over immediately to Professor David Mosoma uh, to take the platform. But as indicated, if the Deputy Minister wants to say anything, would allow him. Over to you, uh, Chairperson of the Board. Thank you so much, uh, Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee and the esteemed members of the Portfolio Committee as well. Can I proceed? Honorable Bumza, please. Okay, proceed, Prof. Yes, I would like also to acknowledge the esteemed members of the Portfolio Committee, the Deputy Minister, as well as uh, Honorable Direko present here, uh, and also chairpersons and colleagues from the other entities uh, of the, uh, that are presenting here today. Um, as a commission, we are going to be uh, presenting a plan which is drawn from our own strategy just to demonstrate that uh, the plan is, is a demonstration of a commission that seeks to be strategy driven in all its activities. Um, without any waste of time, I need also to make a note with regard to our finances. When we received the invitation, our CFO was on leave. So we dependent uh, on the lower structures of the uh, commission to draw that budget. But he did make some corrections, which he sent after the initial uh, document was sent to you. So I want to uh, register that uh, uh, um, uh, apology. Uh, but the, the second presentation has been corrected and uh, I'd really uh, beg your intel- intelligence about that. <clears throat> So without any waste of time, let me also uh, um, introduce the team. 
It is Deputy Chair Dr. Petu, the CEO Mr. Mafaza, as well as the CFO Mr. Smarts. Uh, Mr. Mafaza will take us through the presentation of the Commission. Over to you, Mr. Mafaza. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, um, and the Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee, the Honorable Members uh, of the Committee, the Deputy Minister, um, and the leadership of the institutions that are represented this morning, and colleagues. Um, our presentation, Chairperson, is uh, quite short. It, it follows the format of the demarcation board. Uh, where we wherein we start by showing the leadership of the commission that it is currently still led by a professor together with the deputy chair and from the administration side uh, myself and then the CFO Mr. Smarts as we were introduced. Now the outline of this presentation um, will obviously cover the the purpose in summary and then will just reflect on the institutional arrangements, of course, touch on the commission's mandate, um, both constitutional and legislative. And then we will also give some highlights in terms of the progress of the, uh, the achievements of the targets in the previous financial year. And then we'll then get to the strategic plan where we'll share the outcomes uh, that we are focusing on in the next um, uh, three years. And then we'll also give um, the annual pe uh, performance plan for 2022-2023, and then the finances, concluding with the challenges and then the concluding remarks. Um, the next slide then uh, highlights the papers and the introduction um, that we are <clears throat> still going to talk on the strategy that is running from 2020 to 2025. And uh, we're also going to highlight the how we have fared in terms of the implementations of the targets in the previous financial year. And then we will then talk to the medium term uh, framework, uh, I mean, uh, period. And then we will also share some outstanding projects that we'll be dealing with uh, going forward and uh, recommendations uh, that we think should be brought to the attention of the committee. So in terms of the institutional arrangements, the commission, um, as I've said, is still um, led by the uh, chairperson and through um, section 22s that are providing oversight uh, to the work of the commission um, linked to the programs that we have within the commission, both support and operations. And also then we have the commission's component and then we also have the administration side. So if we look at uh, this slide where we talk of the oversight uh, committee, section 22s, we're still going to have uh, A to E, the five of them, that is um, research and policy development, uh, public engagement and education, legal services and conflict resolution, communication and marketing, IT and linkages, as well as finance and human resource committee. We do have in terms of the legislative framework and committee that we call Section 7 Committee that sits time and again um, when issues come to the commission for uh, that committee to deal with. And then on the other side 
of course, with this section 22s are linked to the programs as I highlighted, highlighted in the previous slide. Then we get to the constitutional and legislative mandate, which is derived from section 185 of the constitution. And of course, uh, from the, our act 19 of 2002. So if we look at section 185, 1ABC, because we thought this is uh, important um, to always uh, remind um, everyone in terms of the mandate of the commission to contextualize uh, the operations of the commission uh, and just to make sure that um, the people that we deal with are comfortable with the, um, you know, the mandate of the commission and where it comes from uh, to always, uh, you know, give impact uh, to the work of the commission. So here in terms of section 185, um, we are, are required to, re, uh, force, uh, to promote respect for the rights of cultural, religious, and linguistic communities. And we do this in order to promote and develop peace. Peace is very, very central uh, in the establishment of this commission and its work uh, that wherever there's conflict, this commission must try and intervene to make sure that uh, our cultural, religious, and uh, language communities are living together peacefully as it is invested by the constitution that we need to build one nation, though different. And then we do that in order to make sure that this friendship, this humanity, and we tolerate one another, uh, although we are different, in order to build the national unity amongst our communities. But that should be done on the basis of equality, non-discrimination, and free association. Uh, we again, required to recommend the establishment or recognition in accordance with national legislation of a cultural or other council or councils uh, for a community or communities in South Africa. So we always uh, recommend to communities to establish themselves into councils, uh, either cultural councils, religious councils, and language councils, so that they can be able to deal with their issues much more effectively and in a much more coordinated way. And then we get to legislative mandate where we talk of um, our objects uh, to promote respect for and further the protection of the rights of cultural, religious, and linguistic communities. Uh, again, it talks to uh, development of peace and friendship and those other uh, concepts that I've referred to uh, when I was talking to Section 185. Then to foster mutual respect among cultural, religious, and linguistic communities. Um, we are very much all the time aware that um, respect is a difficult thing to achieve, but it is our responsibility to make sure that we foster that respect, I mean, to happen between and amongst them uh, in spite of their differences and circumstances. To promote the right of communities to develop their historical diminished heritage, and also to recommend the establishment of those community Councils that we referred to. As we continue, then we must talk a little bit about the powers and functions of the commission uh, that we uh, are to conduct information and education programs to promote public understanding of the objects, roles, and activities of the commission, and to conduct programs to promote respect for and further the protection of the rights of cultural, religious, and linguistic communities, assisting the development of strategies that facilitate the full and active participation of cultural, religious, and linguistic communities in nation building. It's very, very important in our country. 
and then promote awareness among the youth of South Africa of the diversity of cultural, religious, and linguistic communities and their rights. And of course, we monitor and investigate and research any issue that is very, very important, any issue concerning the rights of cultural, religious, and linguistic communities. We educate, we lobby, we advise and report on any issue concerning the rights of cultural, religious, and linguistic communities. And we, we again facilitate the resolution of friction uh, between and within cultural, religious, and linguistic communities or, uh, or between any such community and an organ of state where the cultural, religious, or linguistic rights of communities are affected. And of course, we also receive and deal with requests related to the rights of cultural, religious, and linguistic communities coming from the broader communities and other representations. And then as we receive those, we make recommendations to the appropriate organ of state regarding legislation that impacts or make impact on the rights of cultural, religious, and linguistic communities. And uh, we are required to establish and maintain a database of cultural, religious, and linguistic community organizations in the institutions and experts on these communities. And of course, the last one that we thought it is important also to bring to the attention of this presentation, bring any relevant matter to the attention of the appropriate authority or, or organ of state. And where appropriate, make recommendations to such authority or organ of state in dealing with such uh, a matter. Now, the progress in terms of uh, our achievements of predetermined uh, uh, targets uh, for the year 2021-22, um, uh, we made quite um, an important um, um, uh, you know, achievement here because when the protocols and the lockdown levels were somehow eased towards the end of the second quarter of 2021-22 financial year, uh, and the further easing of this level in the fourth quarter opened a window for the commission to start engaging fiscally uh, with communities. And this helped us, the commission, uh, to manage uh, and close gaps on targets which were to be achieved in 2021 uh, financially. So we did a lot of work when uh, that window opened. And then this, uh, of course, is an unaudited 2021-22 uh, target preliminary report. If we look at these uh, different programs, as we stand now, um, we have achieved all the the targets that were set in the year 2021-22. But of course, as I say, uh, this is still unaudited. Um, some of the highlights of the work that was done by the research, um, it was on a project of whether African traditional religion is equivalent to traditional healing or, or sangomas. The objective of this um, project was to examine African traditional religion, which is portrayed as part of healing and not as a religion and still represented and portrayed not as a religion, but as part of traditional healing. And so the, we wanted to find out how can African traditional religion be bestowed at the equal status it deserves as enshrined in the, in the constitution? And why is African religion always represented by other people and not by its own followers? And how could African traditional religion be further promoted and protected? So of course we have some uh, recommendations that we make that the African traditional healing, African religion are two separate institutions and they should never be mixed up. And the primary role of traditional healers is to look after the well-being of communities by using traditional medicine and not religion. They must therefore focus on what they have been called 
to do. And the Department of Health should promote the profession of traditional healing to the same level as it does to Western doctors. But I must say that when we're making inputs to the Department of Health in terms of regulation, this was also um, an angle that commission also you know, um, uh, took to make sure that uh, in whatever we do, we are also including this uh, sector um, and, and, and recognize the importance and the skills that they have to assist uh, to alleviate some of the challenges that we're experiencing. Then we also have one project that had to do the, with the resuscitation of African cultural uh, values. And uh, the objectives in terms of this project was to uh, find out the challenges, um, what challenges do the communities face today in living out the African values like it was done in the past. Of course, uh, uh, this question is big because uh, it is trying to um, you know, address the issue of moral decadence within our own uh, societies and communities because then it uh, takes away the values and uh, the issues of respect and friendship are then threatened. And uh, it was important also to look at this one. How do they think that the cultural values could be resuscitated? How could communities make the government programs like social cohesion, moral regeneration, and nation building work? And how do we resuscitate the core value of Ubuntu? So some of the recommendations we said, the Department of Education and higher learning should promote African values and ensure that they form part and parcel of the schools and the university curriculums. And the traditional leadership should be given the space and supported in their cautious effort to assert African historical traditions, values, and cautiousness. And I think some of these reports we will discuss with the portfolio committee because we feel that uh, well, the absence of this kind of values sometimes are the ones that are creating lots of conflicts within communities and uh, communities that live with, uh, without any respect for each other. And of course, the media should promote, carry, and publicize information and stories which promote family values and not just against that type of series or dramas. And youth structures that advocate and promote African values should be supported and encouraged to spread the message among uh, their, their, their peers. So we then had the last one uh, from the research uh, department that talks about the constitutional rights of unmarried biological fathers within the cultural, religious, and linguistic communities' rights in a diverse country. And the objectives for this project uh, was to, um, or, uh, the objective of this report is to understand the cultural community's rights and traditions against the background of the constitutional court ruling in favor of awarding the biological and married fathers' rights to register their children in their surnames to help us attain this aim. The following questions were put to the focus groups. Culturally, do the biological and married fathers have rights? What are the cultural process practiced followed in as far as a child is born between two unmarried people? What impact does this constitutional court judgment have on your cultural rights? How could the cultural, religious, and linguistic rights be further promoted and protected against this judgment? And we just made some preliminary, preliminary recommendations there and say in matters that affect the constitution and cultures of the people, the constitutional court should consult with cultural experts and traditional leaders to hear their counsel before pronouncing on matters that affect people's cultures and way of life. Room must be made by the courts to align their judgments with the cultural, religious, and traditional beliefs of the South African citizens. And the competing rights between the customary law and the Roman Dutch law must be investigated further so that we can create a balance 
and serve our communities uh, in the best way we can. Then we get to the department called Legal Services and Conflict Resolution, where in terms of the summary here, the Legal Services and Conflict Resolution received about 68 complaints and um, the department uh, finalized uh, 58 complaints and um, uh, still, uh, you know, with 10 that they are handling, including the, uh, the matters that are given there as an example of Masilela family in Middleburg, where Siriti uh, mine exhumed the remains of the body alleged to belong to the family and kept it in the mortuary. And the family wanted to have the body buried and all rituals in terms of their culture to be observed. So the commission mediated partially on the matter and the process therefore will reconvene once the DNA results have been received uh, from the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy and the department is facilitating the DNA process. So the commission is working in cooperation with the above department and the Office of Public Protector in this matter. So the other one is the unit uh, also, or the department reviewed the use of uh, cannabis to, for private use bill and the Witchcraft Suppression Act as the impact on the rights of cultural and religious communities. Just to give an uh, example of just some few uh, uh, covered work in the previous financial year. And the unit reviewed a 15 metropolitan bylaw uh, that impact on cultural and religious communities, seven on customer initiation school, and eight on the slaughtering of animals for cultural and religious purposes in the eight metropolitan municipalities. And the unit further assisted the commission with legal opinions, of course, and drafting of documents such as procedures for recognition of uh, community uh, councils. And then the other one is the public engagement and education, which uh, uh, conducted several awareness campaigns in different parts of the country on the promotion of cultural and religious rights of communities. The unit also conducted engagements in the form of workshops where Khoisan language educators had to workshop participants on the basics of Nama and Mu languages and to an extent relating Khoisan cultural and traditional practices to raise awareness amongst the members of the same community. This project was quite huge. And as we get to the APP, uh, we will see that um, there are some provinces that we still have to cover, uh, but we have done a lot of work around that as well. And of course, the uh, performance against predetermined objectives is just a summary to show that almost every unit uh, achieved its um, uh, target as uh, they were set. Um, and um, this is just uh, to show quarter by quarter and audited. So we then get into the strategic plan, just to give a um, background and the context to the APP, and I'm not going to get into details to this, but of course our strategic plan did not um, uh, change. It's still gonna use the same uh, mission, the same uh, you know outcomes, and um, the focus is still the same, pretty much the same. There isn't much of a change. Um, if we look at the next slide, we still see the same uh, vision and mission uh, that we've shared in the, with the portfolio committee before, the same impact statement, which I always want to read that it is our strive to enable environment for cultural, religious, and linguistic communities to coexist and participate in the development of peace friendship, humanity, tolerance, national unity on the basis of equality, non-discrimination and free association. This impact statement, that's the one that takes us to Phoenix and other areas where we, people are conflicted, uh, where communities are you know, up against each other. The commission has got the responsibility to intervene, to create these uh, noble uh, you know, concepts 
uh, attributes to foster them of peace, friendship, uh, humanity, tolerance, national unity on the basis of equality, non-discrimination, and free association. As I have said, the strategy is still talking to uh, about five programs uh, with the following um, you know, outcomes, where we still talk to good corporate governance, sound financial management, and administrative support in line with legislation. And uh, this is what we uh, strive to achieve in our endeavors to operate or to do our work so that we can always uh, maintain unqualified uh, uh, you know, audit report. And then, of course, we need to strengthen conflict resolution, especially these days where we find that communities and uh, groupings in communities are always up in arms against each other. The commission must strengthen conflict resolution and, uh, of course, uh, legislative reviews to promote and protect cultural, religious, and linguistic communities. And, of course, we need uh, effective structured and informed communities on cultural, religious, and linguistic rights matters uh, in a form of community councils as well. And then the commission will continue to make research uh, recommendations to inform evidence-based policies and sustained resuscitation of diminishing and diminished community heritage, either with all organs of state, could be municipalities, it could be parliament, could be departments. And of course, intensified communication, uh, marketing and knowledge management systems so that whatever work we do, it is um, known by the public. So the outcomes and indicators, baseline and, uh, and, and for five years in terms of uh, uh, this slide uh, has not actually changed. Nothing has changed than, uh, compared to the, what we've presented in the past. So when we get to the annual performance plan for 2022-2023, we are still going to use the same programs as I've indicated, that is your administration and uh, organization development and support services, your legal services and conflict resolution, public engagement and education, research and policy development, communication, marketing, IT, and linkages. And when we look at program one, then we can then be able to see that outcome one is now clear, uh, clarified there as good corporate governance, sound financial management, and administrative support in line with legislation. And the annual targets there uh, for uh, indicator one, um, of, uh, I mean, the output indicators there are four, and annual targets there is four as well. And if we go to the approved performance agreements, uh, of course, that is expected every year. The target is always one. And in terms of approved workplace skills development plan, we are still targeting one. And then approved and effective internal controls will still do one. So basically, there isn't much that has changed, except that sometimes in other uh, targets, the numbers have uh, increased compared to the previous uh, financial year. So if we look at administration in terms of medium-term performance uh, targets, uh, the year 2022-2023, in uh, terms of indicator one, then the, 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 the targets uh, is eight, where we will want to make recommendations made from plenary and oversight committee meetings help annum these recommendations are very, very important because they are not just uh, recommendations, they are strategic recommendations, sometimes directing policy, sometimes directing how things should be done in terms of uh, how the commission should impact the communities that we serve. And then if we go to indicator two, number of quarterly performance reports, of course, these are just administrative, uh, that we should always review quarterly performance reports 
to improve the quality of those reports as well, but also to check the progress in each uh, quarter in terms of how the work is done. And then the quarterly financial statements will always be a priority uh, so that um, they, we present them even to the audit committee uh, for approvals. And then quarterly internal audit reports, um, this is just for quality assurance that actually helps us in terms of uh, uh, the, the direction of unqualified audit reports at the end of, of financial year. So the program uh, one again continues in 2022-2021, wherein, um, of course, we are expected to sign off the agreements to train our staff members and um, to resolve all queries on internal and external audits, um, and of course, um, establish reports in terms of um, risk management strategies. And uh, these targets uh, will be focusing on in the medium uh, term uh, targets. And if we look at 2023, 2023-24 uh, is the same uh, arrangement that we envisage to pursue as a commission. So we go to uh, program two, which is legal services and conflict resolution. It follows the same uh, format um, that uh, in the past we had established. Uh, we'll still be dealing with um, you know, um, uh, complaints in terms of annual targets, 80%, uh, those that are new, but also we sometimes have carried over complaints. And if we do, we are also envisaging a situation where we should uh, do 80% of them. And of course, uh, we must respond to all um, legal uh, advice and opinions that are uh, sought uh, from this department. And uh, we are going to review 100% of bills before parliament uh, that impacts on the mandate of the commission. And sometimes, as we have said in the past, difficult because we sometimes don't find that, but anything that comes, we'll make sure that we review it that is related to our mandate. And in this, um, I, again, target, we will find that 16 reviewed municipal metropolitan bylaws, uh, eight on fireworks and eight on cementaries that impact on cultural religious and linguistic rights of communities that will, be, will also be targeted. So if we break it down to medium-term performance targets, 2022, 2023, 80% of complaints is there clear. It's uh, continuous, it's the same up to 2024, 2025. And then 100% of responses is the same up to 2024, 2025. And then the review of um, bills before parliament will be carried on until 2024, 2025. And then, um, of course, the target of reviewing municipal metropolitan bylaws will also continue until 2024, 2025. And then we come to public engagement and education. On this department, in terms of our targets annually, we are hoping to have engagements that are to a target of 30 uh, with communities. And uh, I will talk a little bit about this to say that the target has increased when we get to the next slide. And I'll give the rationale why it has increased because we have an extra focus uh, of communities that we would want to do in the coming years. And then 25 uh, public um, education campaigns will be conducted. And uh, of course, we will still uh, maintain the database that we have and update it at all times when uh, it is uh, required. So if we look in terms of medium-term performance uh, targets 2022-2023, the 30 engagements of, um, with communities on cultural, religious, and linguistic communities is inclusive of targeting those areas, especially in the Eastern Cape, where uh, there are initiation challenges uh, with communities, we would want to add our 
to increase our efforts to engage the young people in problematic areas before the initiation season so that uh, we can tell and uh, give information about their rights, uh, but also to sensitize the traditional leaders that are there, but also the parents and the stakeholders that are relevant to conduct this, uh, uh, you know, initiation schools so that we can try and uh, find a way of uh, contributing to reducing the high rate of deaths uh, during initiation in the province. Hence, we are now looking at um, uh, 30 engagements, which is uh, an, in, uh, an increase in terms of the previous targets. So 2023-2024, we say it will be 35, and 2024-25 will be 40. And when uh, it comes to the number of public educational campaigns on cultural, religious, and linguistic rights of communities that we'll conduct, we are saying we'll have 25 public educational campaigns on cultural, religious, and linguistic rights of communities. And uh, that will also uh, be increasing um, 30 to, 30, uh, to 35 by 2024, 2025. And then of course, we'll always update our database as we continue in the medium term uh, uh, performance targets as indicated. On program four, which is research and policy development, uh, we'll continue to do four research reports, one per quarter, on the issues that uh, the commission prioritizes or interventions that we see are critical for the commission to, uh, to do uh, in order to help the communities. And uh, in this case, uh, it will be the same from 2022-2023 financial year up to 2024-2025. So we targets uh, will remain uh, in four continuously. And then the last one, uh, the program five is communication and marketing. IT and linkages, which is also not uh, having any uh, serious challenges. Um, uh, they are also still targeting annual targets on indicator uh, on, um, um, on the implementation and internal uh, communication and marketing strategy, which is uh, the same with the previous years. So they, we aim to produce four reports, uh, the implemented internal and internal communication and marketing strategy. So we, once we've done that, we, we produce a report. So those reports are quarterly, and uh, it's a total of four uh, annually. And then we also have uh, four reports on maintained and upgraded infrastructure, because we are tracking how IT is supporting the work of the organization, especially now that uh, we also use lots of virtual uh, means to communicate. So uh, on a quarterly basis, they also produce a report to give progress in terms of how ICT is actually implementing certain uh, you know, suggestions that are made either from the plenary, from the audit and the IT experts uh, to assist the work of the commission to grow. And then four reports of activities on social media platform per annum is because we want also to get to a sense in terms of how the commission is actually engaging uh, with communities uh, in terms of social media, but also when they put those reports, we're able to assess whether we are making any impact or we are responding on time to some of the issues that they are requesting. So that will also be done quarterly as it was done in the previous financial year. So if we look at uh, this department and the uh, medium term targets, and um, they are the same, there is nothing that is changing from 2022, 2023 to 2024, 2025. And then we come to some of the projects to be continued in the new financial year. Uh, we are still going to finalize the capacity and capability review. It's a restructuring process, uh, which is also um, taking its own toll and it's on having challenges here and there because we need to consult with the, uh, the DPSA in some processes and 
Um, so we're still going to conclude it. We're hoping, as we have said, maybe uh, in the first quarter, if not uh, early in the second quarter. And then the educational materials for public engagements and education is something that we're still going to, uh, you know, uh, develop and finalize uh, because we tried to lobby the experts to assist us with this development of material, but we did not get much from the uh, applications that uh, were brought to the commission. And there's a need for us to rework this and see if we can't um, uh, be much more specific again to try and target a certain group uh, or communities to assist us uh, with the development of these materials. And of course, the issue of fundraising is very critical and it has never been so important uh, than this period in the commission that we should have some extra funds to assist the work of the commission. We'll still pro, uh, continue with the NAMA and new languages awareness campaigns uh, to sensitize the Kwesan uh, communities around the use of NAMA and new to young people especially. And uh, this gives us a platform also to share the historical, I mean, the uh, historical practices for or cultural practices of this uh, communities, as you we will all know, that uh, they were marginalized and uh, many of the young people don't know their origins and how these practices uh, uh, have an impact on their lives. So we, we're doing these campaigns to assist them, uh, to uh, at least to be aware uh, that they belong to this community and these are the issues that um, practices that they need to get to familiarize themselves in order to ascertain their identity as well. A database of cultural, religious, and linguistic communities will still be continued. When we come to medium-term expenditure framework budget, I think the CFO is here. He will talk to this, but maybe let me do the summary. If we look at the first slide there, um, it gives us the history in terms of the medium-term expenditure framework, uh, three years before and three years to come. And then if we look at the revenue there, it was 49, and then goes to 45 and 46, and then uh, 46, 433. But when we look at 2022, 2023, going to 2024, 2025, um, it will increase by 40, I mean, it will be 47,166 in 2022, 2023, and then 2023, 24, 47, 3, 5, 3, and then 2024, 2025, 49, 4, 7, 2, 1. So if we look at the transfers that we received and we are going to receive from the department, uh, that is COC, okay, COCTA, um, in the previous um, uh, years, it was it started with 48,793, um, of course, getting to 2019, 20, 45, 186, and then 2020, 21, 46, and then 2021, 22, 46, uh, 032, and then 2022, 23, it is going to 46, uh, 818, and then 2023, 24, 46, 998. So 2023, 24, 33, 303, and 24, 25, 35, 468. And I think um, the difference mainly is that uh, now we also uh, have people who are working on contracts uh, that are trying to assist the work of the uh, programs uh, because of the shortage of um, you know capacity there uh, in order to try and reach as many communities as we can in the coming uh, financial um, uh, yeah, in this financial year and the other two coming.
So, of course, in terms of the lease payments there for 2022-2023, it goes, gets to 3-1-2, and then 2023-24-3-1-6-4, uh, and then 2024-2025-3-1-0-8. And then the travel and substance, um, because travel is also very important because we engage with communities at all times. So it will go to 2 and uh, 2 million, uh, 2.2, and then 2023, 24, 1.9, and then uh, 2024, 2025, 1.8. So uh, when we get to the next slide, then it is uh, now shown in terms of the uh, programs as to how the allocations in terms of medium term expenditure framework stands. If we look at administration 2020, 2022, 2023, then it will be 286602 and 2023, 2024, achieve uh, in the next three years. When we get to research and policy development, 2022-2023 st starts at 3.3 3, uh, 3 .3, and then 3.4 and then 3.6 in 2024-2025. Public education is 4.8, and then um, 5.246. Um, and the communication and marketing, 6.079. Um, and then 6013 and 6244. And that is how our finances are standing for the medium term uh, expenditure premium. But the CFO is also here to uh, give um, information should it be sought after this presentation. Of course, our uh, challenge remains the same. Uh, the issue of budgetary constraints is still an impediment for the CLRAS Commission to access all communities to fully achieve its mandate. And we are happy that in previous meetings, the Portfolio Committee agreed uh, that uh, there's a need for CRRS Commission to be assisted. And we hope that uh, uh, we strive to continue to find ways and means to assist the Commission through the relevant uh, uh, institutions to assist the Commission to be able to achieve its mandate. So when we come to the recommendations and uh, conclusions, of course, serious consideration of increasing the baseline is imperative in order to maximize the work of the commission and to make its presence in the provinces and local municipalities felt. This is the biggest challenge. We feel that this commission really, to be able to do its work, needs to be with the communities um, and uh, be present uh, in provinces, uh, and especially to even district municipalities, to make sure that our work is, um, um, you know, because our clients or our target uh, population or communities uh, within the district municipalities. And the commission through its new structure, and that is, uh, if it is fully funded, the commission will be able to get to where it is supposed to be in the context of its operations and mandate. So my concluding remarks, Chair, is that the details of these presentations are contained in the strategic and annual performance plan submitted to Parliament, and the results of the 2021-22 performance are preliminary. The details will be included in the annual report 2021-2022. Thank you so much, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I think we are slightly running behind schedule. But, uh, uh, the schedule. The M. Bapella is the 
any comment you would want to make before I allow members to engage with the reports? Thank you, Chairperson. Let the members comment, and then if there's a need uh, at the end, I will then you know, come in. But for now, I think let's allow for the discussion. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, honorable members, it's now your turn. Uh, I'll be taking hands as I see them. I see Honorable Teza, uh, Honorable Spice, um, Honorable Matumba. In that order, well, I'll take further hands as we move down. Oh, uh, Honorable Simon, number four. Can we get uh, yourselves in that order, Honorable Teza? Thank you very much, Chair. I will be very brief uh, due to time constraint. I'll begin from, from the very last uh, uh, <coughs> presentation of the Sierra Rights Commission. Uh, we note the presentation, Chair, of the Sierra Rights Commission and the financial constraints that they're experiencing. Uh, we would like to, uh, to to get an understanding as to when will will they get the reaching their regional offices in order vis-a-vis uh, -vis public education and community engagement because most of the comments of the com of, of the complaints are coming directly from the communities there so to be to be to be located nationally only will not serve the purpose uh, of 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 reaching out to communities. The second one being uh, in terms of resuscitating of cultural values vis-a-vis -vis, uh, moral decay. Uh, in light of the, of, of the prevailing uh, uh, media, media, how do we link these two uh, 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 films and, 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 and media, uh, Professor? Uh, given the fact that uh, media is often used for, for a lot of uh, Western violence that we see and Rambo and things like that, that we watch that are useless, wherein we could uh, promote uh, tolerance within these, uh, these, uh, these media houses and, 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 and eradicate stigmatization amongst uh, 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 cultural groups, uh, you know, uh, to promote unity of Africans and to eradicate self-hate, uh, I think that uh, will, 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 will be more sustainable to build a society that is tolerant uh, with each other. And uh, the last one on you, uh, 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 Professor, will be whether you have met since we met here uh, the, the Tudula Vigilante Group, uh, because they are not promoting tolerance and uh, and peace amongst the cultural and religious communities. Uh, those are my questions to you. Well, Chair, I'll go, I'll go down like that to, to the Municipal Demarcation Board. We note that uh, they derive their functions from Section 155 of the Constitution and Section 157. Uh, then DP has given us wall-to-wall uh, uh, -wall municipalities amalgamated, uh, strong and poor municipalities, back, back, black local municipalities, divisional and regional, or district councils. The results are what we are we are now experiencing. 
uh, dysfunctional, degenerating, and imploding municipalities. Uh, what is there is there in within their program of action to actually uh, 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 deal with, with with this that that has been brought about by 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 the demarcation process. Uh, the, D, the the MDP urgently must consider the duplication of wasteful structures of districts overlaying overlaying local municipalities, including provinces, as as nobody resides at, at these levels of, of or spheres of government. The Eurocentric outlook of the met, of of the municipalities must also be challenged, as we are in an African continent and vastly differ from Europe. Our socioeconomic circumstances, Chair, also differ from, from North America. Should be noted that Eurocentric thought has led to tender, tender, tendentious, tendentious capturing of African mind in all the spheres of, of development. We must adopt uh, and respond to our dynamic uh, situation, particularly in the prevailing abject poverty. Um, what stops this government from, from establishing special economic zones? Uh, what is the action of the, of the MP that they have taken in influencing decisions relating to, to district municipalities versus uh, local municipalities in order, uh, uh, in order to have strong municipalities? What, 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 influ what, what, what action have they taken in order to, to scrap uh, such, such structures that are not quite useful? I suppose we would, we would hear that another task team must investigate this problem existing since 1998. I, I rest my case with, uh, in terms of, 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 of that, Chairperson of the MTP. And then I'll go to Salka. Salka's presentation highlights inherent challenges uh, facing, faced by local government. The rendition here uh, of challenges reflect the, the prevailing conditions of degradation and repression in local government and embe as embedded in their presentation, poor political, uh, poor political leadership capacity, as they mentioned, and weak administration management. The presentation reflects, as usual, a high voluted Offensive rendition of the ability of, of national government in identity to identify the actual problems and challenges of local government in simple but effective manner that will allow the necessary straightforward solutions. If if a doctor chairperson diagnoses to an uh, to, to to an ailment ailment wrongly, the the prescribed remedy will be just as just as wrong and possibly fighter. We are, we are saying that uh, SALCA must perform their functions mandated by the legal framework within which it operates and functions. The, the, as, as, it represented, as, as it represented local government as a kind of spokesperson. There are many challenges of, of workers in municipalities. Uh, it, seems, it seems the more voluminous um, presentations are presented, the further, the, the further we, we move away from understanding the simple challenges of local government, such as uh, that was mentioned yesterday by Honorable uh, Matumba. We, I mean, you can't talk of, 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 
of, of, of, of, of big concepts when you can't even deal with issues of service delivery. That's where you, you should be studying basic se uh, se service delivery. What we need is a is an industrialized municipalities with a thriving commercial precincts of their uh, revenue base where residents are employed more than punished by the government on the basis of their economic status and could thus uh, deliver services of the highest quality. And uh, many, many issues uh, plugging the municipalities, uh, workers uh, are, are complaining of private, uh, privatization of work, leasing of municipal vehicle instead of buy or purchasing them, um, utilization of municipal res reserves to, to increase capital expenditure, uh, victimization of workers who participated in, in, in a strike, a job for pairs, council not considering allegation table before speakers, unfair dismissals, discrepancies with the rate payer outcomes and, and, and residents being charged, high water consumption amounts amounts based on the estimation and not actual cost, poor political leadership capacity again, chair, weak, weak uh, administrative uh, management, internal capacity of, 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 of local government so that we do not depend on external uh, service providers whenever we, 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 we must deliver service to the people so that we can, we can, we can be self-reliant municipalities that, that, that are strong enough uh, in terms of the economy that they, they, they have in the same manner that the, 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 the metros do have. But we must not do so with a Eurocentric trend because why in Africa here? Thank you very much, Chair. You, uh, can we now allow honorable space? Thank you, Chairperson. Jefferson, I only have um, questions and comments to two of the departments or um, entities. The first one is towards Salga and the other one towards the CRL. Uh, to Salga, mine is a comment. And I must say, Jefferson, honestly, I've actually enjoyed the presentation. For once in a very long time, I thought it was a very good presentation. I think it was quite spot on, not to say it's not things that we don't know, but there seems to be a plan. And I do differ in a way when I want to say the following. In order for Salga to be implement what they have presented to us, I think there is an opportunity for this committee, Cocta uh, Portfolio Committee, to play a huge role. Because the core, we have, they've identified the root causes and also the effects, which is very clear. My concern is, though, that at the core of this is the fact that we have poor political leadership. At some point, it is just non-existent because political leadership within councils, many of them do not understand what is expected of them. They don't understand the legislation and therefore they will never be able to give effect to what I think is a very efficient uh, and clear plan of what Salga has put towards us. I always find it very difficult, and I've said it in my, on our oversight visit, that <clears throat> councillors, councils needs to buy into 
a particular project or particular strategy or vision. And that buy-in can only be achieved if councils put these things in their councils on agendas and formulate comprehensive and constructive resolutions that will give effect to what is put to us here. That must be happening, and those things need to be monitored. But in order for them to do that, they first need to understand what their role in this is and how, if their role is played correctly, what a huge change this can bring about. So I think for the longest time, councillors have had this fear of involving citizenry in the other than world committees. They have a fear for that. This integrated systems and processes that Lance have been talking about um, and, you know, profiling municipalities, it's fantastic things. But I, it, can, it will all be on paper if we collectively do not make sure that the political leadership makes this a priority because they can now strike while the iron is hot. They have just started their term. In five years' time, we can actually say this country, in terms of its local government, is actually changing. And so that is my comment, Chair. The challenge is to us as a portfolio committee to, to maybe determine what role is it that we are going to play other than legislation? What is it that we can do to make this a reality and for this to materialize? That's for Salga. On the CRL, CRL, only the following, and I think Honorable Teresa uh, has uh, uh, covered me, I just want me to understand the footprint of the CRL within the rural communities. And I'm particular, I want to know uh, within the Western Cape because I've, I've had the opportunity to address a few communities and many of these communities didn't actually know that such a commission actually exists. And so I need to understand that footprint and also that public awareness and education within specifically the rural areas and in, in particularly in the Western Cape. And that is all for me. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Matumba. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, greetings, colleagues. Um, Chair, I will start with the CRL. Um, la, la, la. I see they, they are trying their best to justify why they went to to Phoenix. And um, if you are to look um, into the section 185 of the Constitution, um, you will find that they, they were not supposed to be in Phoenix. They can justify as much as they can but they were not supposed to be in Phoenix because what happened in Phoenix have nothing, absolutely nothing to do with uh, the commission. People in Phoenix were not killed because they speak Zulu. They were not killed because they practice uh, the same a specific religious or cultural uh, 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 whatever. They were not killed on those bases. Those people were killed because of their skin color. 
What happened there was pure racism and criminality. And it was not a war between two communities. No. We must not drag Indians who are not racist into this. Those people were killed by criminal racist Indians. Not the community. The community had nothing to do with it. So uh, the commission there, it, it didn't have jurisdiction on, on, on section uh, 185. Unless if it had jurisdiction in terms of section 185, subsection 4, they can give us that uh, national legislation that give them jurisdiction over that matter if there is in. But let me concentrate more on, 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 on one thing, Chair. This institution is spending more on compensation of employees. Uh, Chair, I will propose we need their, a report of their agonogram. We want to know who is employed to do what way. Because it can be that from 2018, 2019, up to 2024, the budget for employees keep on going up. It, it, it can be uh, in terms of uh, their budget. They can, it can be that they are spending more than half of their revenue on paying employees. What are they? Because it seems like they are existing to pay each other. Um, let me go to the. Uh, so that's my proposal. We need that uh, that uh, report so that we can assess what is really happening because. Uh, this is exactly what led to Amatole municipality uh, collapsing. It was paying, spending more on, uh, on employees than uh, running the, than performing service uh, delivered. Uh, municipal demarcation board, you raised matters of concern and you know it's very much touching. The question is, do you succumb to, to, to matters of concern? Um, for, for example, uh, there, were, there were people of Lim 345 Malamle who wanted municipality because of, uh, of service delivered and nothing else. Uh, then do you succumb to political pressure and demarcate uh, instead of research that you research and the uh, public participation. And even you in the municipal demarcation board is the same. Chair, they're spending half of their operating expenditure on compensation of employees. And they say we are having financial problems. They too, we need a report. Who are you paying to do what? Because it seems as if with the municipal demarcation board, it's the same thing. 
uh, existing to pay each other. Because you move from 28 uh, million up to budget to 47 million. I mean, that's that's something else. You were below 50% of your of your total expenditure. Now you are above. So we need to know because you should have been spending more on public participation. People don't even know you. People just know it. we now fall under that uh, 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 word. We no longer fall under word uh, uh, 21. No public uh, participation that we can see. And that is where you should have been spending more. Now, I would like to know what is the portfolio of evidence for public participation? When you said you've done partic public participation, what is it that you can give us as the committee to say, this is the portfolio of evidence for ever for to account for uh, the money spent on public participation? This is the partic public participation that took place. We need a report on portfolio of evidence for public participation, because there is a general outcry in our communities that municipal demarcation board doesn't meet the communities. It's the same even what, what 19, what 20, Makad, Roto Rechivua, Ra, Rawana, Rechivo Firko, Wera, and what 19 in Tabala, Zazinos Goluta, and Yavatungaman, and Gauri, Isno Niva Tuvacho Toriwa, car project the word nineteen, but when they have attended you and the Vatuva Zikoluta and Yavatuva to Adava, the Busanas or Isis, it was eighty one. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I will go to to Salga. Che, you know, I, I said this even yesterday. We, we should have been here discussing uh, NDP versus founding manifesto of EFF versus Open Opportunity Society for All of DA and other documents of other organizations. But on how we can develop this country. But we find each other here discussing the procurement of, uh, of toilet paper and stationery. It's worrisome. Our municipality do not have capacity to run themselves. We asked Salga the last time, we said, how do you tell municipalities to budget properly when you yourself cannot budget properly? Let's go to, to page 60 of, uh, of Salga. 
Um, yeah. You will find in page 60 that... Chair, am I still there? Yes, yes, you are there. Uh, if you are to go to page 60, you will find is this uh, total revenue and uh, compensation of employees. Salga, even Salga is spending more than half of its revenue to pay employees. Now, how do Salga assist Abatole municipality to say, you are spending more than a, a large chunk of your uh, operational uh, budget on workers. This is how you must cut them. Where they themselves, they are spending, uh, they are doing the same. Because we would have expected Salga to at least spend 25, from 25 to 35% of their operational expenditure on salaries. Then the rest on service delivery to these municipalities. It means Salga is just uh, taking money from government and this municipality to pay itself. That is what it is doing. Because uh, we can have a, a, a Salga that is spending half of what it is getting to pay itself. We asked for for a report on that. We've never got it. And we would have expected Salga to be the perfect example in terms of giving reports. They should have been given us a report by now to say, this is how we have employed our people and this is how we are paying them. And then, give an expl and then explain why are we doing such a thing of spending more than half on salaries. Because it's questionable, how are they going to assist a, 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 a municipalities? Now, we will also want, if this, this is going to all structures, Salgam, Municipal Demarcation Board, and CRM. You are not breaking down your... Contracted, you are not you are not giving us your expenditure on contracted services. You are just saying um, uh, other uh, operational uh, expenditure. Can we please get how much are you spending on contracted services? Uh, that is that chair. Uh, the short of it in on. Presentation. We want a breakdown of your agonogram. We want to know how much you're spending because it is wrong to find that you are spending more than half of your operational expenditure on your your yourselves. Uh, thank you, Chair. Thank you, uh, Honorable Simon. Thank you very much, uh, Chair. 
greetings to you and uh, greetings to that Babela uh, um, and the colleagues, uh, members, and of course the officials from this um, uh, um, um, that have presented. And thank you very much for your presentations. Um, maybe let me start by making a general comment that says, I think we must note out of this presentation that almost all three presentations are reflecting a picture that says there is an issue around um, a, a funding which needs to be uh, recorded. And of course, uh, where we are, we must be able to lobby for that. Um, to Salga specifically, I want to congratulate you colleagues for, for having a clean uh, audit for the past uh, five, five years. I think that is worth uh, being noted and please continue uh, to do that. Uh, it is very rare in the um, in this industry uh, of, 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 of uh, government. But I think one of the things that I also want to raise, of course, my colleagues that spoke before me have raised it, is that you seem to be saying to us, you are, you are not funded enough, yet your your spending patterns does not speak to speak to that. Um, I will make an example uh, with uh, the CRL Rights Commission. Uh, in 2022-2023, um, on your APPs, the CRL out of your 47 million uh, budget that you've been allocated for. You are earmarking 30.5 mil for internal administrative overheads. This means that approximately 65% of the commission's budget is geared towards payments of uh, organizational overheads rather than service deliverables. <coughs> This needs to be interrogated. Otherwise, the commission risk uh, existing primarily for, for the payment of salaries and other, other, other uh, over, over, overhead. I'm, saying, I'm making an example with, with, with Salka to say that you did not uh, uh, reflect on your presentation, which says, of course, we, we understand and it's, under, it's something that we, we, it's worth noting to say you are less funded, but your spending patterns does not really uh, suggest that um, you, are, you are, should you be funded uh, properly, you'll be moving towards uh, funding important uh, uh, service delivery deliverables according to my understanding. So I'm saying maybe educate me there as to say, what is the reason around that on those two, uh, on those two um, uh, 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 presentations? 
And then, um, as I said, colleagues have raised the number of 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 of, uh, of comments that uh, we to what that we wanted wanted to that I want to raise is the or is the issue of um, and, and and colleagues have raised it, but 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 I want I I want to to, to maybe to take it further by saying. It is true that, um, or maybe let me ask a question, whether does CRL knows that, that they are not known in, 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 in rural areas. And uh, I understand that the, the reason around that could be the issue of uh, uh, funding as they reflect on their, on, their, on their presentation. But I'm saying, do you, what is your footprint? Uh, take, take for instance, a, 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 a rural province like KZN. What could be your, your estimate in terms of uh, how far do you think you are known? Because most of the work should take place there, as to say, first, you must be known there. Two, you need to do a lot of your work right there, because that is where it is needed. It is needed most. So I, I wanted to check also the issue of your footprint in terms of uh, you being known at the level of 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 of, of the community. Of, of the community. Uh, I think for now, uh, I, will, I will I will stop there because most of the questions have been raised, so that uh, we also uh, move towards um, catching up uh, with time. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Um, uh, well, uh, I think we we have we have noted all the questions. Uh, maybe I, I should just uh, add this one that says uh, the purpose of the session is to actually uh, get the uh, plans of the entities, their annual performance plans, budgets and then on the basis of that uh, contract for the this financial year 2022-23. Um, so generally, most of the questions that have been raised are beginning to say, these are the areas that we need to be clarified on. And uh, I think we'll allow that opportunity but the purpose is to actually conduct uh, uh, with yourselves as a portfolio committee so that we are able to oversight you as we proceed. Uh, can I now allow, um, well, I don't know the best approach. Generally, we always believe the leadership uh, should lay the foundation. So if that becomes the case, then I'll take uh, Generally, the deputy minister, then the president of Salka, the chairpersons of the two uh, uh, boards or councils. Um, can we follow that pattern? But if then you want uh, the officials to start, then it's still fine. Chairperson, maybe with your indulgence of the the chairperson of demarcation board, the Salga leadership and the CRL leadership, maybe the officials 
deal with all those issues and then the chairs will then come in and then I'll then be the last one, just one or two comments. Thank you. Thank you. Let's follow that then. Uh, start with Salga. Salga. Chairperson, thank you very much. I'm audible. Yes, you are. Thank you very much, Chair. And thank you for questions um, asked and uh, and the comments. We we really appreciate them because it helps us to also focus on on what we are expected to do as an association. Let me start by saying, Chair, it is important for us to correct the the mist that is created to say Salga is paying too much to the staff establishments. And this question, I will take it as probably misdiagnosis and understanding of what is the Salga's role. And I think this question, therefore, I'm correct to believe that is a misdiagnosis of understanding what is our role is. <clears throat> and I think the speakers that have asked the question in their mind is that Salka is operating like a municipality. And that is why I won't have be surprised to be asked about a question why uh, a municipality, a uh, workers going on strike and many other things. It's because the question in the manner in which it's framed, the thinking is about Salka is a super municipality. And uh, I would want to remind members of parliament, uh, legislatures that are responsible to formulate legislation and this legislation informed by the constitution prescripts, and I would ask members to revisit and look into what is the Constitution of the Republic says, and what is the local government uh, act uh, organized local government act says, which it was approved by the House, which members that are asking the question belong to that House. I think it will be important for us to lay a, a proper basis of what is our mandate and what is the mandate of local government. As you said in the law, local government is an authority in, in governing its space. And you can read this entirely with a constitutional court ruling pertaining to the intention of provincial government to usurp the powers that belongs to municipality. The understanding thereof is that Local government and municipality is an authority that it has to, at all time, to perform its duties according to what is mandated to do. Sanka, I think the question that relates to resourcing and in the staff establishment, it must be understood within the context that Salka is providing services in municipalities 
helping municipalities to go through difficulties that municipalities are facing. That is the role of SALGA. And that is why if you look into our mandate and the packaging of our mandate is to lobby, advocate, and represent. And maybe one of uh, the members might tell me, what is the cost of lobbying? Have we quantified what it, what it means and what is the cost in rent terms of lobbying? And what is the cost of representing the aspirations and interests of member municipalities? And thereby, it should tell you that Salka, it had to recruit people of stature, capacity, high knowledge on various matters, matters of water, it must recruit a person that has knowledge, at least that is recognized in the sector, in the environment, issues of energy, issues of roads, infrastructure. You don't just organize and employ a person as equivalent to Stofile, who has no experience and expertise around that area. You had to attract a skillful individuals that must help municipalities to understand the different dimension of each product offering that they're supposed to offer into communities. So I think it will be important, and I understand the accusation say uh, we were asked to provide in writing. We said, and we continue to say, as we have been serving in this committee for many years, that any question that has been asked to us, we provide answers to it, either um, orally, or in writing. Oh. So, so I, I think it will be improper for, 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 for committee to think that Salga is involved in a wasteful experience. That is why leadership, we are saying, and we have been saying in numerous meetings of this nature, that the local government sector, 257 municipalities in the country, through our own assessment, through expertise that we have, are underfunded. You fund them 9%. And we are then lobbying those that are supposed to take decisions to fund municipalities in a manner that befits the role and functions that they're supposed to deliver. That is, that, is, that, is, that is one issue. So what I'm saying, Chair, is that on the issue pertaining to mismanagement, corruption, fraud, is Salga that has been in the forefront and say part of our advice and part of our engagement, it is important that we correct. So that such issues are... I, I think, I think uh, my, 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 my take to that uh, question, we, 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 we as an association, because we are open and that is why as being open, Auditor General accepted our accountability in terms of providing information as it requires. And that is why we have achieved five uh, consecutive years clean audit. It's because our budgeting processes, and as it was discussed and resolved by the Stalga NEC, was that what we have, we need to improve to it. Part of improving to it is the 
recruiting people in the association that will help municipalities to turn around. And part of turning around is not about having individuals, but it is about the skill that we attract into the association so that it can play advisory role in guiding and hold-handing individuals. Therefore, the leadership, all of uh, members of parliament seated there, we are product of political product, product. You contested elections. We said as we go to 2021 elections, provide us with people of capacity, knowledge. Salka is a service that is providing to municipalities in terms of capacitating them, in terms of making them to respond to challenges that they are facing. Lobbying on behalf of a municipality, on regime change, on matters that affect municipalities. So, so I, I think to me, Chair, that is what I, I, I take out of that. And I don't agree with this notion that Salga is, is wasteful because we know what we are doing. Those that are in the private business will know why do you have to employ a senior management and remunerate them so that you prevent hope, job hoping in the process and therefore you lose skill and capacity in the organization. So it is important as an association to retain the capacity, the knowledge that we have so that we invest into how do we change local government system in South Africa. I think details and other logistics, uh, the COO is in the platform. Uh, they, they may take it up, those issues. That I thought I must deal with these political issues as part of my political work. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you. Uh, CEO, CEO. No, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson, and um, thank you very much to all the Honorable Members uh, present and the leadership of MDB and uh, uh, CRL. Uh, yeah. Just to outline and um, the point raised around the structure of our budget, uh, we have outlined the sources of revenue, but the key issue, Chairperson, that we have always emphasized to the committee is what the president of SALGA has indicated. What is the focus of SALGA? What is the mandate of SALGA? We have outlined, I think in slide uh, six or seven, what's the core focus of SALGA. It provides about six to seven mandates, advice, support, representation, as well as capacity building, profiling work, and so on. All of those programs, uh, Chairperson, they are called direct program charge, meaning that when SALGA offers a program of labor relations and capacity building, it is the direct program of employees of SALGA, X number of employees who would do the program of conciliation, uh, arbitration, advice, and support to municipalities directly. So it is a program. It's not a separate account of compensation. Likewise, Chairperson, when SALGA does a program of advice and representation, it also does that directly at municipalities, directly at AGR platforms, and so on. Same as the area of capacity building. Most recently, Chairperson, 
members of the committee would be exposed that for the last uh, five months, Salga has been running training for almost 10,000 counselors directly across the country. So those are program cost of specialist employees of Salga who actually deliver the program on those particular areas. So it is a program direct charge, chairperson, in terms of the direct deliver of employees. Uh, I, would, I would use an example of Auditor General, the employees who actually run day-to-day -day audit of municipalities. I may not have the figures, but they also provide a direct service because the nature of their mandate and many other, other, other institutions, uh, uh, chairperson. So SALGA offers its direct capacity, support, advice, representation, directly to municipalities. If there's governance issues in municipalities, the governance component of SALGA directly provides the service. It does not outsource to its, uh, um, uh, in a typical other institutions that, that have got consultants running the program. So it does create that uh, a challenge, Chairperson, from an, an interpretation. And we do acknowledge that perhaps the more we present it, we will have to clarify that point from a presentation point of view. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. The CFO is also present, may reinforce, as well as the, the, the COO of uh, SALGA on the aspect of uh, budget structure. If there's other component of questions I might have missed, maybe my colleagues would also uh, reinforce. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, thank you. Any, any other person? Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, uh, my name is Tembeka. I am the CFO at Salga. I, I just want to reiterate what my leadership has mentioned in terms of how Salga is structured. We are essentially, if you call it in the private sector, a, a, a firm, a consulting company that employs employees uh, that have skills that are necessitated uh, by the need for us to, um, to, to support municipalities as we lobby, as well as provide that research that is required. Um, when it comes to the allocation, I think there was a question regarding the, I mean, hence the employee cost. It looks like it's high. It's not like a municipality where you will find that it's supposed to be a 30%. You would expect Sangha's employee costs um, to be even 70-80% of the operating costs because that's the nature of the work. And secondly, with regards to um, the issue regarding the shortfall, I think this emanates from the constitution where it allows or it requires a rent for rent allocation by the National Treasury to Salga. Hence, we had put that slide to say, um, whilst um, there was this um, constitution that was passed to say that we will find you rent for rent, we have not seen that as Salga forthcoming. We continue to rely on the levies at 94% and only 5% of, of, of the cortical. I will, I will stop there, Chairperson. Thank you so much.
Municipal Demarcation Board. Um, thank you, Chairperson, members, honorable members. Uh, my response on the honorable member Tezas uh, matters. I would first say that one, Salga already, through its presentation, it has identified the problems in local government, and they also have proposals. And uh, of course, those problems and the core problems that they have identified, lack of political leadership, poor administration, and so on, they have not much, actually, nothing to do with uh, MDB and they can never be addressed through uh, boundary changes. And two, on the issue of district vice versa, local municipality for service delivery, and uh, saying maybe other levels are not necessary when it comes to matters of service delivery. One, we need to stress the point that uh, local municipalities will always have to be there because that's the point of accessibility, including, of course, uh, public reps to be accessible or nearer to the constituencies. And others, in other words, the district and probably the provinces and so on. Basically, I suppose also to provide support services to a local government in that uh, sense. So really, to look into whether we need to have a district or a local municipality, at the moment, that this should not be the debate unless we are looking into uh, the changes in the Constitution. Oh, Honorable Babu Matumba also has uh, raised the issue about whether we really do a proper research and also, or are we just acting on the whims and the pressures uh, that are put politically? I must indicate that the act compels us. All applications that have come to our attention, we have to consider them, all. Or else if somebody takes us to court, and uh, we are found wanting in the sense that we did not consider any application, it might be a problem for us because it is there in the act that we have to consider all applications. So that's basically what we do. And when we gave the presentation uh, outlining the processes, we indicated that when it comes to these matters, we also have to do research and be able to come to a conclusion. There are cases where we were taken to court and we have won all those cases simply because we could prove in court that we have stick to the act and also internally we have done what is expected of us. I must indicate members, really for the past three years, we have intensified on public participation. The unfortunate part here it's uh, individuals have 
different preferences on the media that they're using. We basically, the majority we have been using local radio stations, for instance, when we are going to areas and the local um, newspapers so that uh, people in those areas can know about us and our presence and so forth. So we, we really also have been intensifying and I've been coming to the committee several times to say we are going back to certain areas where we have taken certain decisions and some of the members of this committee, they have been with us in some of those uh, engagements. Of course, the main thing is, and it is still a challenge, we don't have what we call regional presence or provincial presence. We don't have provincial offices. And this makes, of course, the, the work of uh, MDB to be a little bit difficult in the sense of people knowing more about us and so forth. I would not, of course, stress much on the issue of uh, administration and including the budget thereof. I think my colleague, the president of SALGA, has uh, really stressed the point because we, like them, we basically are depending also on human bodies and, of course, knowledgeable ones, town planners, those who can do geomapping and so forth to be able to do our job. You know, so really, and I think on slide 13 and 14 there in our presentation, we are indicating and motivating why uh, we have that program, which is program one on uh, administration. And I've yet to uh, Honorable Teresa also talking about uh, the board maybe being Eurocentric in its approach on matters. I would just stress the point that we follow the act and I have no evidence from the act where the act also is specifically Afrocentric or Eurocentric, except of course, to address the imbalances uh, of the past, of which he also uh, acknowledged. And in that regard, I would uh, say, yes, our approach would always be African in, the, in, the, in that sense of making sure that we always are in touch with the communities where our decision will have an impact on, without, of course, uh, saying we will follow everything uh, that is African, even on matters where some of the states have failed in uh, Africa here. But nonetheless, the main, main issue, members, for us is if you would be able to assist us to have provincial uh, presence, we will then be able to address some of the issues that have been uh, raised by members, particularly Obabu uh, Kaiser and also uh, Honorable Musiman, in the sense of making sure that we always are in touch uh, with the communities where basically our decisions would be having either a negative or a positive effect too. And I have indicated that in our approach earlier when 
we were opening the presentation. I even indicated that we are sensitive to making sure that we don't divide, for instance, our traditional areas and so forth. And I think that is a point where we would be indicating that at least we are trying to be Afrocentric in our approach as the demarcation board. If there are areas that I haven't uh, touched, the COO is there also to respond on those or any of the senior officials that are accompanying me in this meeting. Thanks very much, my chairperson. So, um, is there anyone? Yes, yes, chairperson. Please. Yes, I, I just want to indicate briefly, uh, especially on the question by Honorable Matumba, uh, with regards to the question that the chairperson has dealt with, uh, definitely we do not succumb to to any any political pressure. We stick to the criteria which is explicitly uh, illustrated in the in the act itself. Just to give an example, uh, in 2022, no, no, in 2015, when the Minister of Copter made proposals in terms of Section 22, I think there were about 20 plus minus 22 proposals which affected about 70 or so municipalities the board actually rejected most of them and those that only went through were about 11 or so so we are it's on record that we we don't succumb to to pressure we stick to the facts and we do thorough research in in, in most instances i just wanted also to quickly deal with the issue of of i, I will not repeat what the President of Saga and the chairperson of the board have spoken about it with, in, with regards to why uh, we seem to be uh, spending more on, 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 on personnel and all that, which is very much about the nature of these kind of institutions and the kind of work that we do. But I wanted to indicate that in terms of the breakdown, uh, it's pretty much the structure of the annual reports that we have to account on where the monies are going in detail. So I think uh, members should be rest assured that institutions like us are actually compelled to report on such. And if you go back even to our previous annual reports, we report in detail how many staff members we have, how much we spend on, on them, and you will be able to see where the, the, the monies are going, uh, depending on the different uh, personnel structures that we have. And all of that is aligned to the organograms that we have. So definitely that accountability is it's built into the system. So it will obviously be made available as part of the annual reports. And just, just uh, broadly to indicate that um, uh, as, the, as the Municipal Demarcation Board, uh, we will keep on stressing the fact that our work, it's, it's very much uh, labor intensive in the sense that if you think about public participation and consultation, it is the work that we will continue to improve on and within the means. When I say within the means is that within the resources that we have. And when we say we have a, a financial a, a difficulties, it's because we know that the demands on the kind of work that we do out there are much higher than we can, what we can provide. So which means we need to improve greatly in order to make sure that people are aware of what we do. People are able to participate. We need to improve our systems to make sure that people uh, participate in our processes. 
thank you very much, Chairman. Uh, can we now move to CRL Rights Commission? Uh, Chairperson, just, just, just a bit, very shortly. Oh. No, no, no. It's just to to check the the time frames, man, for the for for the the envisaged time frame on the public. Uh, Honourable, says I will allow you to after come back after they have uh, responded. No, teacher. Can can we allow the CRL Rice Commission? Um, thank you so much, Chair. <clears throat> I'll take um, um, each of the questions and uh, the uh, DC and the CFO and the CO will then uh, come at a later stage. The, the first question raised by um, Honorable Keza had to do with um, acknowledgement of the financial constraints of the Commission. Then went on to ask the question uh, by way of a comment that um, when are we going to have regional office? Because to locate um, the offices of CRL only um, in one area would actually defeat the purpose. At first, I want to agree with him that the struggle that we have had over the years was in fact decentralization. How do we get uh, regional offices, provincial offices. To this end, we have also approached um, SALGA uh, if they are willing to um, borrow us offices to, you know, without any payment, uh, as long as we have got the uh, human resource to support it. And the CRM, the SALGA and ourselves have a memorandum of understanding and we're working towards uh, this approach. But the challenge would also be the issue of human resource. And that issue of human resource has been raised um, by, um, I think um, uh, it was uh, Honorable Spice, as well as, um, I can't remember, uh, uh, but one of the, 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 uh, the Honorable Members of Parliament. Um, because the issue of human resource, it's a critical uh, component. Taking into account the broad mandate of CRL to work with communities, to bring about peace, tolerance, a friendship, and all of that with communities. And it's not an easy matter if one is not able to function in local. Hence, the appeal for us to have funding so that we are able to discharge this particular mandate. Of course, he went on to uh, talk about uh, resuscitation um, because without the resuscitation of the diminished heritages, their implications of undermining other groupings and other cultures and other religions, even languages as well. And to this particular question is that the CRL um, is trying to get an understanding in which the SABC actually was supposed to have had a meeting with them where the public broadcaster must be able to situate the 
cultural, the religious, and the linguistic values of communities at the heart of um, its work. And to do that would require um, experts from those communities to develop programs which the, C, uh, the, the CSABC would be able to air, and in so doing, would actually assist in trying to bring communities together to understand the cultures, the religions, and, and the languages of, of, uh, of other cultures, of other groupings in, in the country. And then we have um, the question whether we have met the doula uh, movement or not. And I want to say we have not met the doula movement as yet, but we are developing a strategy because we have realized that there is a cacophony of um, uh, bodies that are influencing uh, divisiveness um, and, and, and conflict in communities uh, from other political parties, whether this would not be a good strategy to make sure that we meet political parties as well and hear their point of view, the extent to which we can come up with an understanding of how do we create a cohesive nation um, which is solid in the understanding despite their diversity. And this is what we are trying to do. I think we'll, we'll try to, to, to follow that up as, after this meeting. Uh, our issue of our footprints, and our, it may well be that in some places we are not known, but I want to uh, uh, state uh, categorically that um, before uh, the new commission, uh, uh, the, the one commission that uh, has gone by, uh, we visited uh, Eastern Cape uh, to meet with the traditional uh, house of provincial house of traditional leaders. And uh, the first uh, question that um, they posed to us is that this is a commission uh, with a long name and whose activity is not known in the Eastern Cape. The, 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 since then, we have attempted to make sure through our public education, through our investigative, through our research, to make sure the, that we are in all the provinces despite our limited staffing uh, in our offices. We do so, we meet with the traditional leaders. We meet, uh, for example, on, with communities on the graves, the, you'll understand there was the issue of um, uh, uh, exchanging of graves um, in, in, the, in the Western Cape, in the Eastern Cape, in KZN and other places. We met communities. And we also had had at some point discussion on the local radios. I remember initiation in the, in the Eastern Cape. We, we dealt with those issues. In the Western Cape, we have two commissioners that are stationed there. We did the issue of um, religious issues as well as the initiation in the Eastern Cape. It may well be that uh, the communities we went um, uh, were, were, were not broad enough to be able to spread the message, but we make sure that we communicate with our communities. And we have a... a, a, a um, impact measure, which um, is um, um, uh, uh, done through the communication our, uh, department to check how much is what we do gets um, distilled, get uh, trans, uh, um, communicated 
in our communities. And we see also in terms of the complaints that come to us from different communities, either by phone or through the, um, uh, the emails or whatever the case may be. But it may not be. This is a work in progress. And we can't claim that by so doing, we have reached all communities. We can only do that with sufficient human resource that allows us to have regional and provincial offices, which we don't have. Now, if the request is for us, or the desire is for us to reach these communities, it is imperative on the part of uh, parliament to make sure that they give us the tools of trade to be able to do this. Um, the, the issue of um, um, uh, uh, um, Honorable Matumba with regard to Phoenix. Um, maybe what is not known uh, by uh, uh, Honorable Matumba is that uh, many people deal with effect without dealing with the cause. Our investigative report, which is now preliminary, has shown that there is a history behind the conflict in the KZN area. Starting in 1949, 1972, 1985, and then uh, 2021. And this is the, uh, the, the history um, of we have come up with a possible way in which the communities can work together. I don't want to discount the fact of racism. Racism exists, and racism is not only located in KZN. Throughout the country, racism exists, and we must deal with that. But in terms of our act, where there is a conflict, whether that conflict is caused by racism, we can't sit back and say we have no mandate, because the act says we are mandated to deal with any conflict that may arise in our communities. And remember, maybe the limitation is the understanding of what a community is. If our understanding is that the community is only rural, then I think that limitation is not, is not enough. Communities include political communities, business communities. Uh, it, it includes academic uh, communities. All those are our communities. I, I'm just giving example to add to the rural areas. But our communities are plethora, are wide and broad. And this is the understanding that um, we would want to engender as we go forward. So we have a mandate to be in Phoenix. And if there's a evidence that they have no mandate, then somebody must demonstrate. But I think from our point of view, we have a mandate to be there because our report will actually uh, indicate to that. Uh, when it comes to the um, issues raised by Honorable Msima, um, well, the issue of funding is very critical. And in fact, the previous uh, uh, portfolio committee agreed with us and uh, the also um, indicated that they'll uh, agitate and, and lobby 
that we get more funding. And then the, the issue of 65% uh, spend must be contextualized because we took over a CRL whose uh, staff members, majority of whom, were, the job description were not evaluated and job uh, uh, um, placement were not properly made. Hence, we have instituted this capacity and capability review where we are going to make sure that we look at each position must be graded properly and so that each um, remuneration must be given. And that's part of history which we are trying to correct. And uh, we want to make sure that the resources go into programs rather than going into uh, staff. But given the situation as we have it now, the staff that we have cannot assist us to do what is expected in terms of the mandate because the numbers are low and the work, it's, uh, it's, it's huge, it's immense. So we will look at this and we'll come back with our um, the, the new organigram. We'll demonstrate to you precisely what we have done and how to make sure that the resources required programs and things like that. Um, I think the issue of whether CRL is known or not, I've tried to answer that, uh, that CRL, uh, from our understanding, it's work in progress, but for the majority of communities, we are trying with our limited resources and limited human, uh, um, uh, human uh, 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 presence to make sure that uh, we participate <coughs> and actively there. Thank you. Thank you. Um... I think now we are running out of time. Uh, maybe before you, you, you want to come in, Deputy Chairperson, come in. Yes. yes, Chairperson. Thank you very much for this opportunity. And let me greet honorable members, Deputy Minister and colleagues from other entities. I just wanted to highlight the issues on the question of the Bazulunatao visit by the commission. And I think it is something that we, we would at some point need the support of this committee because it, because it is not something that will end if it is not addressed in this country. Uh, Chairperson, societal conflict is a natural threat to the national peace and stability. What happened in, in KwaZulu-Natal called for the reaction of this co uh, commission, mainly because the commission is one of the custodians of peace building and national unity in this country. I was worried when the member talks about section 185 of the constitution. I wondered whether we, 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 we read from the same uh, uh, constitution because the very section 185 gives this commission a mandate to promote and develop peace, friendship, humanity, tolerance, and national unity amongst the communities as the chairperson has said. And the very section 185 empowers the CRL Rights Commission 
to do all is necessary, including to monitor, investigate, research, educate, and lobby, and produce a report on issues concerning the rights of these communities. The Commission is also given powers through ECRL Act to facilitate the resolution of friction between and within communities and, and between such communities and organs of state. So accordingly, Chairperson, the Commission's intervention in KZN was also in line with the President's call. Remember, the President called all of us to rebuilding, reconstruction, stabilizing, and normalizing of communities through partnership and collaborative effort to facilitate peace and stability. And that is exactly what the commission went to KwaZulu-Nadal to do. The commission took a decision as chairperson to engage the communities in KwaZulu-Nadal to understand the extent of the unrest and to find solutions through conflict resolution and eventually make recommendations to the authorities and organs of state dealing with such matters. Chairperson, the commission was rightfully dealing with issues in Kwasunata. Those issues are not misplaced. They belong to the CRL. And the commission will continue to deal with those issues in terms of the constitutional call to support democracy. Chairperson, what I wanted to suggest perhaps to, to the committee is like we, we did, we once did with the previous committee. Perhaps the, the committee could arrange a workshop with these entities where the entities could be given an opportunity to clarify their roles and their legislative mandate so that it becomes easier for the committee to suggest workable solutions to the challenges that are identified during these meetings. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you. I assume there's no other addition. Uh, can we now, uh, maybe before we allow the um, Deputy Minister and the chairpersons to close. Allow uh, honorable members if there are any follow ups. No, uh, honorable, yeah, I see Honorable Kaiser and Honorable Matumba. No, sure. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, I think the doctor was was almost correct in, in, in if she wants to further workshop us uh, in terms of the legislation because legislation is quite a cumbersome exercise is something that you cannot finish uh, every time we come here and prepare for those things of presentation there's a lot of research that goes into it uh, I think she can believe that uh, and uh, I don't want to say she's uh, tempering on, on patronizing, but uh, my question is that such that uh, the one that I, I raised, Chairperson, 
uh, about the public participation and consultation uh, that uh, the municipal demarcation board raised. And I wanted to get an understanding whether they are talking within the APP of 2022-2023 in terms of the timeframes of, of such. And I, the last one, just the last one, Chair, not to waste time. Uh, I wanted to ask the, the CLR Rights Commission if they do uh, go into disputes, uh, family disputes within traditional communities. Because yesterday was sitting with issue with an issue that I raised with the traditional uh, affairs department that it has been dragging for a long time because someone who is a premier uh, lacks a, a willingness to just sign a, a a court order that says that this is the rightful heir to the truth. Now, contributing. That, that 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 delay contributing to more people, uh, the community uh, experiencing uh, now gender-based violence, um, uh, uh, people killed. I raised thirteen people that were killed within within a week in that area of escort. I raised the crime rate has, has escalated because there's no right person who is going to call order in that community in terms of traditional leaders. I just want to ask that if they do uh, uh, intervene. Thank you, Chair. Matumba. Uh, <clears throat> thank you, Chair. I'll start by saying, uh, Chair, uh, um, to the CRL Commission that um, I, I want to guarantee them that this commission may have capable members. The members are capable. Um, I would like to uh, just to amplify the issue of committees, uh, communities, that if you read section 185 properly, it doesn't, it give definition of the communities is speaking of. It says to promote and respect the rights of cultural, religious, and linguistic community, communities. It is, doesn't leave the word community, co -co community as a broad word which we can give our own definition. It gives you a mandate that these are the communities you are dealing with, cultural, religious, and linguistic communities. Even in paragraph B, it's clear that you are promoting and de you developing peace, friendship, humanity, tolerance under cultural, religious, and linguistic communities. So it means your mandate is on cultural, religious, and linguistic communities. So what happened in uh, Phoenix is that you diluted the act of racism and criminality and dilute them in the name of section 185. Because there, what we needed is SAPS to deal with racist Indian, Indian racist criminals and arrest them. 
there was no uh, room for uh, this uh, commission uh, of CRM. Um, where we need to see uh, CRL is uh, places like uh, Namahale and, uh, and Lulekan, where there is a line dividing uh, Tonga people's uh, Tonga speaking people and Zupaydi uh, uh, speaking people, where they are divided by uh, Bantu, uh, by apartheid uh, government. We want you to to undo uh, the psychological effects which were put by the apartheid government when it divided our people based on their languages. We want to see you in universities where people, where, where, where youth from different uh, communities come together so that they know how to integrate and live together. That's where we want to see you. And the truth of the matter is that this uh, institution is unknown. So it, it, it was going there to, 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 to Phoenix uh, because it was on the newspaper then. Um, uh, I, I, I can safely say that money spent on Phoenix was a wasteful expenditure. Uh, Chair, uh, in terms of Salga, uh, Mr. Becky Charles Stofile, uh, Nokia collapsed, even though it was passing, it was getting best audit reports, but it collapsed. Now, audit reports doesn't translate into service uh, deliver. Audit reports translate into something uh, uh, different. You are coming to us for the second time. You are saying there is lack of political leadership. You are there in you, your existence. It's because for the first time in 1994, Black people have to be voted into power and they have to lead without any expertise of leading government. Now, your role is to capacitate them. That is one of your role, capacity building. Because it is unlike uh, white, black politicians do not have capacity in terms of leading governance. They started just now in 1994. And that is why municipalities are paying you in order to capacitate them. So you can come to us and complain. We are, there is lack of political leadership. You must tell us, what are you doing in order to capacitate these political politicians that lack political leadership in terms of leading a municipality? Now, Chair, uh, if you are to go to all these municipalities, uh, uh, leadership of Salga, as politicians, when we come here, we read, and we can guarantee you, if you go to majority of municipalities, there are things you are going to find. You are going to find that there is a problem of water and electricity loss. It's a must. And water and ele electricity, e electricity is one of major revenue uh, drivers. 
you are going to find a problem in preparing financial statements. Now, when we say capacity building, these are the things you should have been doing. Now, lastly, Chair, it is our duty in terms of the Constitution, that is Section 42, Subsection 3. We must scrutinize and do oversight. We are saying to you, for us to do proper oversight on you, on your agonogram we want to know who you are employing for what we that is the information we want your duty under section 55 subsection 2 paragraph a and paragraph b is to give us that information so that you it is to be accountable by giving us that information and so that we can do oversight we are saying for us to do proper oversight, we need that report. And lastly, Chair, I would like to thank the, is the Municipal Demarcation Board for we asked them to give us a, a, a written response on, a, on their procurement for cloud services. Uh, we got the response. It was uh, very much proper. Uh, Thank you, <clears throat> Honorable Mbumza. Thank you, thank you, Chair. Uh, 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 Chair, I've been battled uh, hard by the network. Chair, uh, mine, I have just two questions. The first uh, is uh, directed to the Deputy Minister present in the meeting. <clears throat> the two entities, um, the demarcation board and the CSIR, we, in every engagement uh, with this portfolio committee, they had been raising this persistent uh, resource limitation challenge. Uh, whether is in relation to inadequate funding or is in relation to the the fact that they do not have a a provincial or regional print uh, in the provinces so that they could have an access with uh, communities because more of the work that they are doing. Uh, that work at, at the times it had to ensure that uh, communities are engaged robustly uh, so that indeed uh, as part of uh, a democracy they are engaged to participate fully in the redetermination of inner boundaries as well as in the determination of the municipal outer boundaries or whether it relates to CSIR that it should have an access to communities as they conduct their research. My question, therefore, to the DM is it, uh, what is the department doing in responding to this uh, need so that uh, these two entities could be in a position to perform their work effectively and uh, engage and interact with the communities? 
in a number of fronts as they are doing their own work through their own mandate. The second chair would be to Salga. Given that uh, every end of a tenure of office, we have an exodus of uh, councillors that would be followed by the administration that had been capacitated um, uh, and uh, capacitated as well as uh, given the capabilities and the skills required to ensure that uh, local government is stabilized in order to perform its function. Now that uh, there is a challenge of this exodus and the exit, uh, their exit strategies are not in a position to retain such skills that they had developed in a five-year tenure period. What comparative studies have Salga undertaken with other local government uh, 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 association as well as local government sector in the African continent and through the world? Uh, and have they ever considered to, uh, to, to that start to say, are they also confronted with this particular phenomenon that at the end of each term, then there would be an exodus and resources would be required every tenure for capacity building and for training uh, the, the, the councillors and officials in the local government sphere. And have they ever considered this question of uh, considering the review of law in relation to the limited tenure of office as part of being introduced in Africa in the reform to stabilize democracy so that we don't have uh, autocratic uh, leaders who would remain in office forever. But have they ever considered uh, the fact that they would attract and retain this skill by reviewing uh, that the tenure be limitless, particularly to presiding officers in local government? Thanks, Chair. Thank you very much. I uh, think we should be winding up now. Uh, one can note the areas of disagreement and suggested solutions to what we, we are uh, engaging on. Uh, I, I wouldn't want us to repeat on that, on the issue of mandates of the different entities, uh, legislation that mandates them. I think we can look at uh, soberly without necessarily having to fight over it. And the issue of um, the value for money when it comes to contracting, whatever that we do, I think we have noted all those. And uh, as indicated earlier, I'm trying to suggest that you don't necessarily have to respond to some of these issues. The suggestions that says, if we want to have a common understanding of the mandates, 
then there's the suggestion that says this is what can be done. I think we have voted that. And uh, also on your functionality, how you function, uh, there's suggestion as to what can be done, but continually engaging as we are doing, I think that is still acceptable as well. And uh, the fact that we, we, as a committee, we have got this primary responsibility to ask questions and uh, such questions be responded to. I think it should be enough when we are doing uh, oversight. But as we continue, I think we'll find each other. But uh, I'm just making those comments such that uh, we don't necessarily have to read anything out of what we are engaging on. I think we have noted all the suggestions that says this is what can be done. But now I'll allow um, maybe I'll read the, 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 the DM would be the last. Start with Salga. Any closing remarks? Thank you very much, Chair. And we include your counseling because some of the comments make me to think about there's something that is left that I was supposed to respond to at the ideological political level. Because I'm a counselor, I'm not an official. I'm a public representative and uh, the constitution have got a responsibility to interact and engage parliament uh, and, and, and participate in parliamentary processes without being any hindered uh, in, in, in my role um, uh, as enshrined in the constitution. And, uh, but I would leave that because if your counseling is more about it is important for us to have an open engagement on this matter because we must simply floppy in dealing with policy matters because some of us, we can't take that. Uh, for instance, it is a policy matter of Salka that you can't depend on outsourcing because outsourcing is not sustainable. And we must teach one another that you must preserve the skills, the expertise, the knowledge that you have and you must harness that knowledge so that you avoid job hopping. It is an ideological political question that we must confront. And then therefore, my, my friend in, uh, with the red chat is, is asking us to deal with that challenge. And we are ready and prepared to deal with that challenge. So that the law is informed by politics, what you want to achieve politically, and how do you then transform society. And, and, and to me, we mustn't leave this hanging political questions uh, with the hope that there will be understanding without clarifying ourselves first and foremost. I think, Chair, with your uh, counseling, I take it, and we will be ready, Salka, to engage at any material time on the trajectory and the program that we have adopted and accepted to contribute in the local government's sphere. It must be understood that local government changes every time. Over 80% of new councillors came in. It's a requirement of us to train them. And therefore, what you trained, you might lose it because of the turnover that we are experiencing. I think, thank you very much. I want to leave it there. Thank you. Uh, Municipal Demarcation Board. 
Thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, there's not much except, of course, to indicate that, yes, there is a broad program that uh, we presented, that is slide 30, which will indicate also uh, the consultations with uh, communities. I must indicate, when we are going to, um, when the process is unfolding, we will also publish the dates for consultations and also indicate the areas that is the municipalities where we will be having consultations. I think it will be prudent for us, including, of course, members of the committee, when they also are doing their constituency work to also inform and assist members uh, during that time to be part of those uh, public meetings. But we will basically advertise uh, where we will be having those meetings and so forth. And Chairperson, yes, like uh, our colleagues, the issue of having a regional presence, unfortunately, we are aware of the financial constraints that the country is faced with. But uh, with your efforts, one day when this has been addressed, we will be able to do much better than uh, what we are doing uh, at the moment. But we will also indicate and give a portfolio of evidence on all the public meetings that we have been having, the awareness programs. We will provide those to the committee. And still, I think we should take the opportunity to thank the committee in its support for our endeavors, because what basically we are doing is not only for us, it's also for the communities out there. Thanks very much, Jefferson. CRL Rice Commission. Uh, thank you, Chair and uh, members of the Portfolio Committee. Um, <clears throat> there is nothing as frustrating as to be told that you are operating out of your legislative mandate. And that is said categorically uh, by members of the, uh, some members of the portfolio committee. Because um, it will be remiss of us um, if we do not get guidance because it is assumed we misinterpreted our, our mandate that we get that guidance from portfolio committee in writing about our involvement in Phoenix, whether that it's outside of our constitutional as well as the act um, establishing a CRL. The second thing, Chairperson, um, over each time we come to the portfolio committee, we talk about issues of footprints in terms of presence in the, in the province and regional offices. And there is no time at which we got a definite response in terms of the resources are available to do this. So that that question uh, arises out of an understanding that the resources are available. But when the resources are not available, that question should not be raised except followed by resources so that we can do the work. Uh, because I just feel that uh, it will help us, Jefferson. We want to be in communities. And the act 
states that we want to be committed. So we want to plead for support for us to be able to do that. Uh, thank you so much for the support. Uh, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to to uh, to engage. Yes, uh, uh, DM. Thank you very much, Chairperson, and uh, and then thanks to the three bodies that had presented uh, to the portfolio committee, uh, Salga uh, Municipal Demarcation Board and the CRL. And, uh, and I must say they did answer all questions adequately. Obviously, there are points of differences on 102, which, as you said in your counseling chair, uh, we don't, they don't have to respond to. However, uh, maybe time will allow some point where we could then engage on, 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 on the points already raised. And I take also a view from Honorable Teza when he said probably in the legislation there may be details, particularly when it comes to the CRL. Let's go into that legislation and see what is there so that whatever is the conclusion, uh, then it's informed by both the constitution and the law. So I take that there for that there will be such an opportunity. Um, my, my apology, Chair, I don't know what is this sound. Uh, it's just come out of my computer. Uh, and uh, <coughs> let me switch it off. Thank you very much. Yeah, so that therefore we will then take a view, therefore, that there will be such an opportunity so that uh, as honorable members, as uh, bodies accounting to parliament, we are one in terms of the, the mandate going forward. Then, Chair, the, the other issue then I just wanted also to, 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 to say is that in all the presentations, I, I think there's a body of evidence on the work that will be undertaken uh, by the, the, the three organizations that had presented, and it will constitute an oversight program on your site so that we could then begin to assess and gauge and then see if what they say they are going to do uh, in this annual performance program, it's been done and where there are challenges, they need to come and explain uh, for themselves as to why. And then, and then I think uh, Salga is also saying uh, with a state of local government, which is in decline, can we offer solutions? We know there are causes, but we are also offering solutions. And then they are pleading uh, for a work together towards stabilization of the municipalities across. And I hope uh, those uh, proposals will also be taken on board as part of oversight, but also of ensuring good governance, service delivery at the level of the local government. And, 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 and they also raised an issue which obviously was not touched or followed up by those who were asking questions. Uh, the issue of the, 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 the infrastructure theft, uh, cable theft, and other infrastructure theft that has been taking place in the country, the railway networks, and, and so forth. And, and, and then they already alluded to some figures. I saw now in the news, ESCOM, is saying that they, their loss to the cable theft on their side is 2 billion rand per annum, uh, meaning every uh, annum 
obviously that's the amount of uh, loss of money that has to replace something that has been stolen uh, uh, in the country. And I think uh, the, 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 the situation and the, out there in the country is pleading and say something ought to happen. So Chair, I think if in the future meeting, probably uh, Cogta uh, and together with Salga will then have to come in and to come and tell the, the impact uh, of the theft of infrastructure at the municipality level, so that we could also quantify uh, 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 in the sector how much of that infrastructure damage is causing uh, municipalities across. And then it's a cost, obviously, to the people because the taxpayers' money has to then be used instead of service delivery to go and then replace that particular aspect. But there's a law that was passed by cabinet in 2019 in response to what was already happening and, uh, and then which is massifying itself uh, called the Critical Infrastructure Protection Act number 88 of 2019, uh, which is there to then begin to also create uh, punishable offenses on anything uh, or on any person who might be found uh, stealing or uh, destroying infrastructure. Uh, and, and, and I think all the, there are is prescribed there. And also there's a council that the president has just signed off, uh, the Critical Infrastructure Council, which is also going to be uh, a council that will help us in identifying the areas uh, which are under attack. And then the police also have now established uh, as the result of this law, a task force that is going also to be reactive. However, Chair, the laws alone, without the conscience of the people, without uh, awareness of the people, without people also protecting their own assets, because these are community assets at the end. They may have been provided through by the state. However, at the end, they are there to be used by the communities. They are there to offer services to the people. And I think uh, the issue of now public awareness and ensuring that communities are also involved in the protection, once they see these people digging, then they ought to be the whistleblowers uh, by reporting to the nearest police, now that also the police have taken it as a special focus. But uh, let's they maybe probably have a session where you could then invite Cogta, invite Salga, invite uh, also the police, uh, probably uh, in a joint portfolio committee to the police uh, 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 portfolio committee, uh, and then and, and really begin to, to look at this issue because it is in the national agenda now, and we cannot ignore it and be quiet uh, as it is raised. I just wanted really to, to then put an emphasis that probably Cogta Portfolio Committee should also be a voice uh, that can also begin to call uh, for, for, for a discussion, debate, but also a refocus by the nation and all, all of us to really protect the, 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 the infrastructure. So those are the comments I just wanted to say, Chair, and uh, thank you very much that uh, the, the reports were well received. Thank you. Bye. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I think uh, we have noted all the areas that would uh, require uh, some follow-up, whether in the form of discussion, clarification, and uh, whatever. We also note that the purpose of the session 
was to contract, as I already indicated, in terms of uh, the annual performance plan for 2022-23. I think we have noted uh, the actions would be able to formulate our plan of oversight on the basis of that. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Members of the Portfolio Committee. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Bye-bye, Salga President.